Help Jews in Poverty at HelpJewsNow.org. Your $25 gift today will help provide a life-saving food box to Jews in need. Be a blessing right now. Visit HelpJewsNow.org. That's HelpJewsNow.org. It's finally time to start firing up the grill. From city to shore, Acme is everything you need to prep for this summer season. Download the Acme app, the shop for this season's essentials, any way you want. Open the Acme app, clip your deals, then order your items online. An experienced Acme associate will carefully select your groceries, bag your order, and bring it right to your car or deliver right to your door. Download the app or visit acmemarkets.com for program details. But I think the development of full artificial intelligence will spell the end of the human race. It's a flying object, and we don't know what it is. I would hope somebody is checking it out. I'm glad the Pentagon is looking at this, because if it poses a threat, I want them on top. Well, the craft generates its own gravitational field. The internet has become the command center for criminals and terrorists. That's that's what we're instructed to say. Roswell, Area 51, alien kept deep under the ground. Tuesday night, and that means it is show night. Tonight we have a very special guest joining us from the world of academia to weigh in on UFO abductions and the entire phenomenon. So uh, as always, I I ask that we keep an open mind through this discussion because uh, sometimes we have to consider all the angles and uh, all the angles we don't always agree with. So uh, uh, strap tight, get ready. We're going to get Logan on here in just a minute, and we're going to talk UFO abductions. 
and how it may be something entirely different than what you ever considered. So that's what's up. So that's what we're doing, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna skip all the uh, the pleasantries, the shoutouts, and all that stuff. So uh, keep the chat coming. We will uh, we will we'll read pertinent chat as we go. But uh, we're gonna just uh, just for the sake of time and uh, our guest here waiting on deck, we're gonna just pull Logan right in, and we're gonna get started on the show. So let's uh let's do that right now and get Logan in, and uh, we're gonna talk UFOs tonight and the abduction phenomena. What's up, Logan? Can you hear me? Testing one two. I'm here. Right on, right on. Welcome to the show. Uh, we don't have many academics here, so uh, you're very, uh, very welcome. And I'm glad to hear some uh, some perspectives that you've brought. Um, I know you're probably not super familiar with the show because uh, you know it's probably not in your wheelhouse. I would think, but uh, we're an open-minded bunch. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. How you doing tonight? I'm well. I'm. I'm. Uh, you know. I mean. I. I am a UFO enthusiast and myself. Uh, even if I do come from a bit of a different background so i'm familiar with uh quite a bit of the uh, community um i'm sure that there's a lot of stuff that i i'm not aware of um but uh, i'm pleased to be here okay fantastic uh some of that stuff uh we we've talked about quite a bit uh, in the ufo realm so uh maybe maybe we can help help you uh, fill in some gaps in your research there uh we we know kind of a lot as a community been doing this for uh, yeah nearly three and years certainly now. Certainly, if there's any listeners that might be able to point me towards specific cases that they think might be uh, relevant, that would be awesome. Okay, fantastic. Uh, so uh, we are reading the chat as we go. So uh, just just so you know, guys, we're going to keep the phone lines off for the first half of this and just kind of get into this discussion here with Logan. Um, and then uh, what we'll do is if we have time and he's still feeling it, we'll, uh, we'll open up the phone lines for some questions in the second half. Does that sound good to you? Uh, sounds good to me. Okay, fantastic. So, so let's do it. Um, so th- this, uh, you, you caught my interest, and uh, you had some uh, interesting things to say about uh, UFOs in particular, and uh, your thoughts regarding the abduction phenomenon. So, uh, regarding that, uh, you want to just get started and kind of uh, maybe maybe tell us a little bit about how you got into uh, uh, really interested in this subject, and then uh, how it uh, ended up being a uh, an academic thing, writing a paper on this, and kind of how this all kind of uh, came came to fruition at this point. Yeah, I mean, I, it's, this, is, this is something I've always been uh, interested in. Um, when I, uh, funny story, actually, when I was a, a kid, I did a um, school project on um, uh, UFOs, actually, uh, the Roswell incident, and I ended up. Um, uh, I, I, I guess my uh, somehow there was like a, a political rally in town, and I um, I jumped up on stage and asked, well, not jumped up on stage, but after. Uh, after the the rally was done, um, I I asked this uh, person who like what you know what happened at Roswell. Um, I did not get a very straight answer, but I've, so I've I've always been interested in this kind of thing. Um, I uh, uh, got kind of back into it through um, my graduate work um, in communication studies. I uh, just went to this art gallery. Um, that was featuring um, art from around the community, around the city. It was inspired by alien abductions and uh, got to hear some different experiencers tell their stories. And it started to just kind of click for me that there was a lot of overlap with the kind of things I was studying in terms of uh, just kind of trying to take a different perspective on the phenomenon as not as a sort of, is it real or is it, or is it false? But looking at how it's used culturally, and what it, we sort of project onto it that can, you know, we can understand about our society at large. Okay. 
Uh, fantastic. And so, so you've been an enthusiast all your life. Let me ask you when you got, when you asked the question about Roswell, did you actually expect an answer? <laughs> no, you know, I mean, I was, I was 12 or whatever, but, <laughs> um, it was mostly just so that I could brag to, um, whatever the, you know, the teacher that I had done this, but, uh, you know, it was, um, I was 12 as well, so I'm not going, I'll just leave it there. <laughs> just, just having some fun. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. So, and then, uh, so, so full circle now you're, you're a, you're a grad student in communications. And so what led you to think about uh, writing your thesis in, uh, in including UFO abductions? That's, that seems like a, a pretty angular, uh, take on, on communications, I would think, or maybe, maybe not, maybe I'm uh, confused and maybe I'm the one that's, uh, not, not knowing what's going on here. I mean, uh, the thing to understand is that communication is uh, as a um, sort of field of study is very broad. Um, a lot of what we kind of think about as communication either falls into the um, sort of, uh, you know, organizational communication, um, almost sort of HR and PR kind of dynamics or um, more of the you know journalism side of things. But there is this kind of third area that that kind of drifts around with a lot of different departments that just this sort of more uh, critical analysis um angle that that you can kind of um you know each each sort of different field is really just a a sort of angle to come at a topic with and so for communication like i said um you you know what i've found is that there's a lot of academic research on ufos as a folklore phenomenon um and there's a lot of research out there on it as sort of a psychological phenomenon or media phenomenon but there's not a lot that just analyzes it as a um, communicated narrative um, that that um, we use to communicate um, sort of deeper cultural anxieties. Um, and uh, as well, I found that uh, the, the angle that I'm coming at it with this communication lens really lends itself well to not taking a firm position on the tangible reality of UFOs, which I think is really important. And we can get into that as well. Okay. Okay. Fantastic. So, uh, lots of ways to look at this and we do that on this show a lot too, right? It's a, you, you gotta be able to, uh, kind of keep one foot in reality, like I always say, and then also be able to speculate. You gotta be able to, to kind of open the mind and do the mental gymnastics and you never really know, like there's a lot to this and, uh, uh, let's, uh, let's, let's go, let's go with what you, uh, you wrote your paper on and let's start with, uh, whatever, uh, premise you want to, you want to lead with here. Yeah, and so and and yes, yeah, so this is my thesis. So it's uh, I'll be working primarily on this for the next um, three months. Um, it's expanding on what I have here. So um, the the one caveat I want to give is that I'm not quite to the place where I can apply this to specific UFO cases. Um, I know we want to do that a little bit today, but um, uh, it, there is still quite a ways to go in this. Um, but the basic sort of framing of this topic that I want to start with is the um, postmodern uh, uh, analysis that I'm approaching this from. So um, <clears throat> to do that, I'm, I'm, I'm using this cultural theorist Baudrillard, who is actually did not like the term postmodernism, so it, it can get a bit confusing. But um, his basic premise that's really key to this is that of hyperreality or the simulation. Um, what he means here can be explained in a number of different ways. I find that um, maybe one of the easiest sort of introductions to it is the idea that um, we in the post-industrial era have this conception that there is a fixed reality outside of our own experience, right? Um, in previous uh, sort of epistemological, um, you know, positions, before 
uh, the sort of postmodern era of, 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 of uh, media and um, consumerism and the way that we think about it, um, as well as, you know, science. We previously thought of the universe as sort of full of mysteries um, that were on our, beyond our comprehension with the sort of acceptance that we can only experience one, uh, you know, experience in our life. We can't, uh, we don't, we don't know all the, the secrets to the universe. So in this new sort of hyper reality, we have this conception that there is a fixed reality that we can understand that's different from our own perception. Um, and so uh, rather than seeing our, ourselves as, you know, we, we, we don't understand ourselves to be living in reality. We understand ourselves to be living in a subjective experience that is, um, and we, which we project this conception of reality onto. So um, that reality is called hyperreality. It's more real than real. We live in this sort of simulated world that we think we understand. But of course, each person's version of hyperreality is significantly different. Okay, I follow you. I got so I got some links actually. So I'm, I'm sharing some links here regarding this individual and the the concept of hyper reality for folks that kind of want to catch up and read some of this as we go. Um, again, uh, here with Logan, an academic talking UFO abductions and the phenomenon here. So uh, we start with hyper reality, and so so is that uh, does that actually encompass like I'm sure you've heard of like the like an actual simulation type reality where it's a you know kind of like the matrix type of thing, or is it something completely separate from that, like literally? like not not related at all so um i think actually that's a really interesting example right um the it's it's very different in that even the conception that we are living in a simulation still assumes that there is a fixed reality and in fact i think it's very linked to it because just that idea assumes that um you know we each live in this subjective reality that is uh, you know, separate from whatever, uh, you know, Matrix-esque uh, pods we're floating in. Um, and I think that this is really key. Um, the other thing to keep in mind that a lot of this has to do with um, sort of our relationship to culture and um, language. Um, so Baudrillard says that we've continued to sort of pile on meaning to things. Um, we've just continued to... Uh, classify and and uh, create all these kinds of webs of understanding um, that have become increasingly detached from reality. I mean, an example I, I like to use that's kind of um, just humorous is the idea of um, blue raspberry as a flavor. Um, it doesn't actually correspond to a real fruit like all these other ones. So the, you know, a fruit flavor, a cherry flavored candy is a what 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 Baudrillard would call the first level of simulation or the second level of simulation because uh, it doesn't actually taste like a cherry but it it is still a sort of uh, uh, sign that signifies a, a cherry um, and then in the uh, you know when you get to the blue raspberry then we're not even talking about a real fruit we're talking about something that is a completely simulated fruit um, but we still have this sort of web of knowledge that that holds it up as a uh, concept in our head. Um, and so that's that's really what he means by the simulation is just the, the basically the idea that we um, continue to try to create meaning and add um, meaning to the world around us through, you know, language and, and these kinds of types of things. But I, this actually drives us further from the truth because it um, sort of creates this idea that we know everything that we understand reality 
Yeah, <laughs> reality is a funny thing—a slippery fish. Um, so, okay, so so uh, with that that uh, the fruit flavor you discussed there—is that uh, akin to the like in the Matrix? There is no spoon, like that type of thing, or uh, to kind of just take the the analogy a little bit further. Or is it? Um, I, I, I'm blanking on that scene to be honest, that's okay. so I'm not that, going to be able to do much help. That's okay. I'll, but, I'll, I'll, I'll explain real fast. So there's just no. a, he, he's in he's in the in the thing, and and the, there's a kid that actually bends the spoon, and he says the key is there is no spoon. So it's like he's basically saying that like the reality we're in is not the reality that you see. It's it's something completely different. Really, that's 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 just a nutshell of it. No, I, I think that's a that's a good idea, but I think that still, even the the hunt for the concept of the ultimate reality is uh, what Baudrillard would say is the problem that's creating this um, you know simulated idea that we all sort of hold in our heads as a cultural a shared cultural understanding of what we believe reality is, and then when things like you know UFO abductions or whatever do occur, they break our concept of what uh, reality should be, of what we, what we all agree on it to be. Um, and so we have to create these kind of cultural meanings around it um, to try to create an explanation, whether that be aliens or, um, you know, whatever else. We, we tried to create a fixed concept. Um, I, I have two more quick examples of this. Um, so for one, um, hold on just a second. Uh, let me f- check my notes here. No problem. Oh, yes. So, so another, another aspect of uh, Baudrillard's concept was um, a book he wrote called Revenge of the Crystal, um, which was the idea that our, um, our sort of consumption and our, uh, the, the things around us, all the, all the, the stuff, the, the items that we, we own, um, have this weird relationship with us where they sort of we, we engage in a communication with them so um you know for example if you're wearing a wristwatch down the street um it's yes it's to tell time but if you're wearing an expensive watch it's also to uh, sort of uh create an image of yourself of you know that that tells people around you that you're wealthy. Um, and so these, these types of things are another example of this sort of shared cultural meaning that we, we've created that sort of is removed from reality. And of course, as things get, you know, weird in the 21st century, um, for instance, diamonds are actually really easy to produce now, but we continue to value them at high prices if they're not fake um, purely for this, um, you know, shared simulated um, concept. Uh, it's, you know, it's all a construct, essentially. Um, one other example is um, deep fakes, which I'm sure a lot of your audience is familiar with. Um, these, you know, um, uh, uh, this technology that can replace someone's face um, and have them say anything you want. Um, the real concern with those isn't that they will necessarily trick people, but that they're creating a further simulated world where we don't really know what is real. And you can just choose what to believe okay i see um and uh so so as a result of this uh so we we clearly are merging not not i don't know so i guess i guess by this concept we're saying there is no actual objective reality and so we're creating this in and of ourselves individually and then sharing these things together to create folklore or I'm not sure. Maybe yeah, not. to some extent. So, I mean, I think that the, the key thing to understand is, is that it's not that there that an objective reality doesn't exist. It's that we all believe we know what objective reality is when it's impossible to really know. 
Um, the, the reason this is really important for um, my analysis as a whole is that it, this theory allows me to basically um, circumvent the issue of whether UFOs exist or what their actual nature is. Um, what I mean here is that, um, you know, you can consider UFOs to be a <clears throat> physical phenomenon. You can consider them to be a sort of, uh, you know, uh, inter, um, uh, you know, interdimensional phenomenon or a psychological one or something just completely beyond our understanding. And within this framework, it doesn't really matter because what I'm looking at more is how we use whatever this phenomenon is within our shared simulated reality. Okay, I see. I think I see. <laughs> yeah, so basically within my conception, um, our, the extent of our literal knowledge of UFOs, which is that they are unknowable to some extent, um, that that is the extent of our knowledge. And so all that I can do is analyze what, what we do know, what the, the specific character of the stories um, uh, that, that uh, you know, characterize them differently than they would have been before the postmodern era. Okay. So, so we're, we're somehow sharing this reality with each other based on um, uh, mass media, or is there, is there some, other, some other thing that kind of connects this and pushes us forward? I'm, uh, I, mean, I might be well, skipping and, and, chapters I mean, here. Oh, no. I mean, this is fine. I mean, you know, the, the thing is, is that it's, it's really so many things. Um, postmodernism is specifically characterized by, um, you know, the prevalence of the media, um, which really, uh, you know, sp has sort of splintered um, this reality, um, this this uh, kind of concept of hyperreality, because we all sort of can choose which um, version of reality we want to based on the news channel you watch, um, you know, whether it's your show or CNN or Fox News, um, each sort of ideological view of the world comes with this sort of certainty um, that that makes it so that we're all, uh, you know, fractured in this kind of new way that, that was never really possible before. Um, but also, um, it's, it, uh, I'm sorry, what, can you uh, state the question again? I'll offer <laughs> your thought. I'm not, even, I'm not even sure there's a question here. Uh, just, I brought up mass media. So is it, so, yes, kind, so right. kind of, a, yeah, so is it, is it just that, or are there, there are many other things that kind of connect, connect all of these things to make us believe in this shared hyper reality what what is, what kind of goes into well, that sure well so so what Baudrillard would specifically say is that it is the um you know this excess of meaning um what he means there is specifically that our sort of level of understanding of everything our communicated ne networks um our language um have really expanded massively um he another sort of metaphor he uses is that in the um you know in the previous eras if you go back to something like uh the the uh enlightenment era the example he uses is that that we began to create um automatons as the sort of imitation of humans um and that's that's sort of the first step of removal um, and that, that, but, but he's only using it as a metaphor, right? Like this, this persists in the way that we speak and in, in our art and music and everything. Um, our, you know, 
whatever the invention of the printing press, all these sorts of things. So then in the, the next stage in the Industrial Revolution, um, the metaphor he uses is the robot, right? The idea, which at least became a concept at the time, of this, um, this thing that could replace a human in its sort of labor function. Um, and then finally, in the era of uh, the postmodern era, this, uh, after World War II, the metaphor becomes the clone, something that completely replaces the human. And this just sort of happens at a conceptual level, right? We, media becomes more advanced. Our, the way we talk about the world changes. Um, our, we are suddenly blasted with way more opportunities for communication. Um, and uh, media and all of these sorts of things. So this all contributes to it. It's really the best way to think about it is a sort of epistemological way of understanding the world that has shifted over the different eras. I see. Okay. Okay. I- I'm tuning in. I'm, I'm locking into this. Okay. So, okay. Uh, so, okay. So given that, um, how does that relate to the, the, the abduction phenomenon then? How does that, how does that tie into what you're, uh, what you're doing in the, your, your thesis here? Right. So this, so this, to be honest, is frankly just the um, kind of groundwork for it to, to understand where I'm coming from. So when I am referring to these various things, it may seem like I'm making a presumption about what the phenomena is. And it's important to remember that what I'm really analyzing is the presentation of the phenomenon. Um, if we go back to previous eras, there's lots of these talks of things like, you know, ancient aliens. Um, abductions that occurred in ancient Egypt um, that, that were sort of recorded through through paintings and, and this kinds of things, which I, I know there's, you know, lots of debate over. And again, that's not um, the most important thing for, to understand this, because the point ultimately is, is that if those former stories were um, in fact real, they were experienced and recorded in a far different character than modern abduction stories are. So, um, you know, an abduction story from ancient Egypt or, you know, um, th- these types of imageries that, that we might be pulling from, they don't, you know, they don't reference metal or um, technology in the way that we would think about it. They, even if this was a phenomenon that occurred at this time, they likely didn't experience it or communicate it um, in the same way that we would today. And so that's the really the key thing is that what I'm analyzing specifically is this phenomenon as the way that is portrayed within U.S. Uh, narratives. Uh, another example is that our narratives differ quite a bit in the United States from those in, um, you know, Africa or in Brazil. There, the, the streak of sightings in Brazil, um, which were, you know, quite sort of bizarre and and, and violent, and resulted in, in a few people dying and um, being kind of uh, fighting the 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 beams of light that were picking them up. They're they're markedly different than the ones in the U.S. And so you have to ask. Why are these sort of things experienced differently, even if assuming that they are either a psychological phenomenon or something just outside our realm of understanding? It's finally time to start firing up the grill. From city to shore, Acme is everything you need to prep for this summer season. Download the Acme app, the shop for this season's essentials, any way you want. Open the Acme app, clip your deals, then order your items online. An experienced Acme associate will carefully select your groceries, bag your order, and bring it right to your car or deliver right to your door. Download the app or visit acmemarkets.com for program details. 
It's finally time to start firing up the grill. From city to shore, Acme is everything you need to prep for this summer season. Download the Acme app to shop for this season's essentials any way you want. Open the Acme app, clip your deals, then order your items online. An experienced Acme associate will carefully select your groceries, bag your order, and bring it right to your car or deliver right to your door. Download the app or visit acmemarkets.com for program details. It's finally time to start firing up the grill. From city to shore, Acme is everything you need to prep for this summer season. Download the Acme app to shop for this season's essentials any way you want. Open the Acme app, clip your deals, then order your items online. An experienced Acme associate will carefully select your groceries, bag your order, and bring it right to your car or deliver right to your door. Download the app or visit acmemarkets.com for program details. Right, which is, which is again getting getting to the woo woo argument, which is which is not really what we're doing. We're like, uh, so so again, not trying to define right. exactly what it is. We're trying to, to to really get to why why basically why it's become uh, it has become a mythology, like a, like a modern day myth now, and that uh, so right. many people believe this. So you mentioned ancient aliens in particular, and uh, there, there's an unbelievable amount of people that just believe that aliens are real now. And, and that's just it. That's just the, the bottom line, right? But uh, like I've always said, and I, I maintain that, that we, we have to be on guard that we're, we're fooling ourselves at some point. We're tricking ourselves into maybe this, this type of hyper-reality. We're sharing these experiences and maybe propping up each other as a, like, what would you call it, like, a, like the echo chambers sort of situation, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And so, and the thing that, that, that is... <clears throat> difficult to explain about ufo abductions is you know twofold first it's the fact that there are simply too many to simply ignore it as a um you know it just a, a a minor phenomenon there's this there's a support group with over 30 people in my uh, city with um for uh, abductees but at the same time, the other problem is is that they are also far too inconsistent to really draw any consistent conclusions. Um, and so I think that one of the challenges with this is that it's um, th- this sort of uh, or this sort of framework that I'm presenting should hopefully try to kind of circumvent that by saying the reason that these are different is because they are sort of metabolized so differently by the people that experience them. The only f- sort of frame of um, uh, frame of view that this sort of theory I'm presenting shouldn't uh, be able to analyze is the kind of literal, these are, you know, little green men coming in uh, physical ships. Um, as long as you see it as something that it may be alien, maybe extraterrestrial, maybe psychological, but is something that's beyond our com- comprehension, then this uh, should be able to analyze it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So lots of ways to look at it. And so you're, you're kind of taking the, uh, the, the different tact instead of, uh, so, so for instance, if you've never heard of this individual, his name's Dr. David Jacobs. So he spent like a ton of time, like you said, you had a small group in your town there where they the actual experiencers, right? With UFOs. So Dr. David Jacobs, he actually does specific work regarding this with, uh, you know, the, the hypnotic regression and uh, like, there's a whole ton of that goes into it. And he's got like a, like a wealth of data regarding this. So like I said, in, in some cases, there's a very small sample size when you talk about this, but in his case, he's been doing it for decades and has hundreds of cases. And uh, he, he, he seems to believe that there's a, a, enough of a connection to where there's a, there's a real phenomenon going on here. So Again, like I said, not really our purview tonight, but... Do you mind, 
Do you mind if I write the, the name down? Yeah, no problem. Dr. David Jacobs is the guy's name. No problem okay, at all. Thank you. So, so guys, uh, we're talking to, uh, to Logan here. He's a, he's a grad student for uh, uh, communications, and uh, he's writing a thesis regarding UFO abductions. And so uh, we started out talking tonight about uh, hyper-reality and uh, how uh, uh, there's, a, there's a lot to it. it. It's not so simple as, uh, you know, you see the thing in the sky, you point at it, and uh, it's, there's little green men. So that's kind of where the conversation has started, and uh, we got some interesting places to go tonight. So, so hang tight. We are going to take uh, calls in the second half. And uh, if you're there, Logan, at any point, if you want to take a break, it's no sweat, my man. Uh, I know this is a little okay, bit, no long time to kind of sit in one spot and et cetera. So if you want to do whatever, uh, you just let me know. Uh, I can uh, yammer on. Like I said, I can talk pretty good and uh, we'll, we'll buy you a little break here. So, so no sweat, but okay. So, so back to it now. Um, so, so uh, carry on. So we have, so we have, so it links to the phenomenon in a particular way and not in a direct little green man lights in the sky type of way something completely different we're talking internal in our own perception of this reality right right so this assumes that there is a sort of um several influences that are going into the process of the construction of ufo narratives both on an individual level and a social level so um a prior researcher identified these various um sort of things that will impact um, the the exact details of a story, um, which include um, the sort of media, um, the media sort of ideas of what um, abductions are, the sort of personal inter concept of what of what these things are, and the social narratives around them, as well as a sort of oral um, transformation. Um, you know, he found that as people sort of repeat the story, and as it gets spread from person to person, it, it tends to kind of um, uh, solidify into something recognizable from something that is generally, you, you know, when you look at these individual st- stories are often incredibly cr- sort of chaotic. Um, and that is even after the the individual, if he tells the story initially kind of puts it into a frame of reference that they understand. Um, they, you know, the story sort of gets molded from something that is almost ununderstandable um, to something that fits within our understanding of hyperreality. And my, Essential question here is why do we tell this version of it? Why don't we go back to, uh, you know, sort of older versions of these types of stories like, you know, fairy kidnappings or, um, you know, angels? Um, Why are they presented in a specific manner? Yeah, and, and it is weird that they some of that merges. I mean, that's again that th- this is a whole other type of conversation. What that again, right? It's bizarre. Like we've sure. done two and a half years on this plus, and you, we're still talking about aliens, right? I mean, there's an unbelievable amount here that uh, you can kind of really start crossing with religion and some of these other things. But like you said, there are different uh, different areas of time in time, uh, and so uh, exactly right. not really what we're doing here tonight. But uh, but okay, so. So continue but, on. But, and, so to, Sorry, and so, you know, to kind of get at that, what you're saying is that, you know, there are these sort of similarities that have, that have persisted across history. Um, and there's a really interesting piece of research that I think that can um, kind of explain that um, to some extent, at least. Um, this was a guy named uh, Alfred Lawson, I believe, um, writing in 1977. Um, I think it might be Albert Lawson. Um, he was uh, doing this research on uh, abductions and abductees. And his hypothesis was that because so many of these stories, certainly not all of them, but many of the ones that, that, excuse me, uh, formulated the the basic conception of what we think of as a UFO narrative and undoubtedly sort of 
influenced uh, non, uh, you know, uh, hypnotic regression stories. Um, all, you know, many of these stories came from from hypnotic regression. So what he did was he uh, took a group of volunteers, um, put uh, them all under hypnosis and uh, asked them to just recount a abduction story. Um, he, they weren't abductees. They just were telling a story to him under hypnosis. And what he found was that there was a marked difference between the volunteers who were born by cesarean section and the volunteers who had been born uh, traditionally. So um, his hypothesis is essentially that the alien abduction experience is a perinatal memory of our own birth. What the hell? <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Do, do do we do we remember that far back? Is it a, is it like a? I guess it's our first. Well, I mean, thought, so, this, I guess. so this gets to the idea of the subconscious, right? And um, where I'm trying to build on his research, and this was peer reviewed research um, in psychology. Uh, he, uh, what I'm trying to do to build on this is say, well, if these are experiences are closely linked to our subconscious, whether through you know, I mean, hypnosis is well known to uh, you know draw subconscious memories um at the very least what i can try to do is say well what do alien abduction narratives in the form that they take in the modern era what do they say about our sort of collective subconscious okay i see and so uh, again I, so so i laugh I, just uh, just you know i'm not laughing at you i'm laughing at my no problem. my, my surprise a, here <laughs> it is one of those things right yeah yeah, yeah it, it's a little bit surprising to me but it, it, okay so so kind of a just to squaring that up in my brain here, it does it does seem to make a little bit of sense that like a like a, like a frightening abduction experience would be at like a like like a C section birth. I, I think maybe you're right in some some instances there. So I hadn't but, heard well, of this research, but you know what? It, meaning that uh, like like it's a it's very invasive, right? It's it's not a natural thing whatsoever. It's uh you know like somebody with a knife and they're you know like you know to to be to be crude here, but they're they're, they're chopping somebody open and pulling you out, you know. I mean, I, I could see how some of that really kind of fits in the subconscious thought. Sure. And, and you know, um, it, specifically what Lawson found was that the, the people who had been born through cesarean section um, <clears throat> tended to be uh, just sort of instantly beamed aboard the ship, whereas people who had been born traditionally uh, described, um, you know, I mean, crawling through tunnels, to be blank. Um, so, you know, that it's pretty fascinating research. Um, one thing that was again, similar across the board was the image of having a tube inserted into the stomach or genitals, which is, you know, again, very much like childbirth. Um, so there's quite a a number of interesting similarities. I I think in general, this is just a, a theory that the UFO community should consider more. It's, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, again talking about this for literally years now. This is the first time I'm hearing this, so so definitely good stuff. Um, okay, so so regarding all of that, uh, how does it how does it move forward with uh, with what your uh, your thesis here? Sure. So so the next step of this is a psychoanalyst named Lacan, Jacques Lacan, who um, dealt with a lot of issues to do with childhood, birth, and development um, in the subconscious. He was a student of Freud. So um, he sort of tends to be, for me, the perfect way to analyze this phenomenon if we take it as a subconscious birth memory. Um, What his main 
theory was was uh, called the object petite A, um, which does not translate very well. A is a algebraic symbol in French, um, uh, in the way he's using it at least. But the way, best way it translates is as the unattainable object of desire. What he means by this is that there's a sort of a, a lack that we all feel, uh, another, another word that he, he describes it as, this um, sort of feeling that once we were whole and that if we continue to work, we can be whole again. That there's this feeling that we are missing something. And he ex this explains this through childhood development. He says that when we're first born, we, don't, um, we can't differentiate ourselves from our mother. Um, and then we enter the mirror stage where we recognize ourselves in the mirror. And this is sort of a traumatic event in which we start to fracture ourselves um, because it comes along with the introduction of language, um, which is also called the symbolic order. Um, and so this goes back to, you know, um, Baudrillard's conception of the hyperreal, that there is this um, this level of... Uh, experience, uh, human experience that is controlled by language. Um, so the symbolic order is very similar. It's this, you know, language that we enter, um, that as we develop, that uh, sort of structures the way that we view the world. But what it does at the same time is it limits our experience so that we cannot experience the world as whole. Um, if you think about it as a sort of a web that we create with each um, intersecting, you know, line as a word, um, as we fill out that huge web and make it more and more dense with as we build our vocabulary, um, and not just our vocabulary, but our, you know, understanding of all sorts of symbols um, or, or around us and, and what things mean socially. Um, as we do that, we create these sort of gaps in between where we feel like we cannot fill in the meaning that we need. Um, and so that would be what uh, Lacan calls the object petite A or the unattainable object of desire. My thesis is that the uh, alien abduction scenario is a uh, recall of the um, perinatal memory but not just the perinatal memory, a, a imagined reality before we were born when we felt whole. And the specific character that we paint on top of it with little grays and um, certain, you know, the sort of advanced scientific equipment can tell us a lot about what we as a society believe what being whole means. Okay, I think I follow you. So... So, so, so you're saying it, it, it's a fracture, and we can't again. So, so we're so we're now taking the hyper reality, and then we're fracturing ourselves into really like a, a, I don't know, like at least it. So at least two different distinct things that we just can't even like. So, so we're literally just taking like the 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 idea of the self, thrown it in a blender. And we get a bunch of pieces we're trying to put together. On the yeah, other. I mean, I mean, essentially, right? We we have a conception of ourselves and the sort of hyper reality, the complexity of our symbol system um, is sort of this this thing that we try to master to, but it ultimately only gets us away from ourself. Um, 
you know, as the sort of web of meaning becomes more complex, we start to sort of fill in those gaps, but we'll never truly feel as though um, we were basically, uh, you know, as we were before we were born. But of course, it's an imaginary state. We don't actually have a memory of this. This is just a concept that we have in our head that forms through our sort of traumatic development. Um, and, you know, I mean, if you want to think about it simply, it's it's an identity crisis, right? It's it's a um, a crisis of feeling as if there's something you're missing. Um, and so I think that alien abductions occur, if you want to take the psychological route, you could argue that alien abductions occur when this sort of ang these anxieties uh, come to the surface, um, when they sort of finally bubble over and you have, uh, you know, some sort of uh, break or something. Or you could say that, you know, these are a, a phenomenon that is just beyond our understanding. And when we try to map our own world back onto it, especially through the subconscious uh, you know, a memory recall under hypnosis, we map our idea of what occurred onto us or onto it. And, you know, again, if you look back at the idea of, uh, you know, uh, interactions with angels or, or uh, sort of godly communion in, you know, years and years prior, uh, I think you could apply a similar interpretation that these are these sort of subconscious memories of this sort of godly, uh, you know, um, Garden of Eden state that we imagine we were once in before uh, ever having to be, uh, you know, entering the symbolic order within where there suddenly is a new layer of uh, understanding and meaning placed upon the world. Right. Okay. I follow you. Okay. So, hey, guys, if you're just joining us, we're talking to Logan tonight. This is a, he's a grad student that's uh, in communications that's written a thesis on UFO and the UFOs and the abduction phenomenon. So we're talking about that tonight and uh, how this goes. This, uh, this is again, so these concepts are a little, a little tough for my pea brain. So I'm sure he's uh, okay. Uh, dealing with my stupid questions but uh we're <laughs> we've done we've done so far so good and I'm, i haven't like uh like spurred out and had like a smoke come out my ears yet so i think we're okay and i think i'm following along here um let me ask you though before we before we get into the rest of this and i'll get back to garden meeting in a sec um did uh have you personally ever seen a ufo i've not um i I, I've certainly seen things that I thought was a UFO or hoped was a UFO, and then I quickly realized it was a plane. Um, that's that's about as much as I can um, say there. Okay. And then uh, another question that I kind of skipped over that I should have asked earlier is that uh, you said you had a little group of UFO uh, experiencers in your town. Uh, have you spent time with them and actually like maybe doing interviews or things like this? That's something I'm working on currently. Like I said, um, you know, a lot of this analysis came out of uh, conversations that I had with some experiencers at a art gallery where they were presenting um, okay. and uh, just sort of, just, you know, seeing several sort of reoccurring themes come up and also just interesting. What well, one of the things I was mainly interested in is the fact that many people attribute things that are sort of what we might call high strangeness simply to ufos by default and i that is really the crux of what i find interesting right i think that this this begins to get a lot stickier when we apply it to specific cases because i don't want to make presumptions about those experiences but what we can analyze is the way that these things are metabolized into our culture and so one of the the people that was at this art gallery talked about how um he uh, woke up one morning with a with a strange object in his tooth um, and then was bleeding a lot from the mouth and and a uh, dentist didn't know what it was um, and had, then he called his brother and it turned out that his brother had the same thing happen 
And they attributed these incidents of, you know, what I'd call high strangeness to UFOs, um, despite never have actually seen anything outside um, or, or had an abduction memory. But that was really the crux of what I found interesting, right, is what, what is the reason that we craft these very advanced narratives that may be detached from the actual stories? Um, why do we craft these narratives culturally uh, to make sense of them? Yeah, yeah, uh, it totally makes sense there. Um, uh, <laughs> just a quick fun question. Uh, do you listen to the Mysterious Universe podcast? Sorry, you uh, you cut out. Maybe uh, maybe uh, you cut out as well. Maybe I did. Uh, do you oh, listen? No, I'm still here. Okay, can you hear me? Yeah, it just okay. kind of went muffled. No, I, I have not. I have not listened to Mysterious Universe, but I am familiar with it. Okay, yeah, interesting that you use the term high strangeness. That they, they use that literally every episode. <laughs> so I thought for sure. Yeah, it's it's, it's a good term, I think, to because I like I said one of the things that I'm I'm, I'm sort of pressing in my thesis is that. Um, it's really important to acknowledge uh, the unknown, right? I, I, one great quote that I read is that the UFO is only knowable by sort of embracing that it's unknowable. Um, we can't, trying to make presumptions, especially in a academic setting, of what specifically the phenomenon is, is really difficult because it starts to just get messy really quickly. And again, I think that comes down to the fact that there's both a high number of these cases and a, a lot of inconsistencies. Okay. Okay. I'm with you. Uh, uh, okay. So uh, back real quick to your, your, your garden of Eden there. So, so basically just, just so that I make sure I'm, I'm following you correctly. There's a, so, so basically once we become conscious of ourselves, it, it all goes to shit. And the memory we had prior to that was that, the the clean slate, right? The clean slate of who we were as we became into ourselves, which is which is a mess. We know consciousness is just a gigantic, disgusting mess because it's so I, it's I think subjective. Just right? to, just to correct you a little, if that's all right. I, I don't think it's I don't think it's right to say it's all it all goes to shit, right? Because it's also what gives us consciousness. It gives us uh, the power to communicate with each other, right? This is what builds society, but that comes at the cost of this, um, you know, social anxieties. Because we feel as though there, you know, we are somehow uh, missing out on when we were not conscious. Okay, I see, I see. So it's a so not not really well, but I mean, you see, you see my point though. It's basically like a the yeah, clean yeah, slate yeah. versus confusion is it, it's, it's it's a stark difference. And uh, anyway, that was kind of my point. So <laughs> thanks. No, for absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a, that's a good way to put it. Okay, right. um, I'm just yeah, I just don't want to make sure I'm not so just uh, you know ascribing negative value to anything. Oh, I see, I see, and and also uh, don't let me uh, don't let me take take your uh, your thesis off the rails with stupid comments. <laughs> so, so that's also no, no problem. I, I, uh, yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. So so uh, all right. So so basically, we're at, so we're at the point now where uh, uh, UFOs uh, the the existence of UFOs are irrelevant here. Like we're not really talking about any of that stuff now. We're talking about uh, uh, pop culture. We're talking about folklore. We're talking about mass media, and then we're talking about uh, our inner selves and our subjective uh, consciousness and how this is actually a perception of ufology. And uh, like you said, high str- I think high strangeness, strangeness is a great term because, uh, like, just like you said, it, it ends up in a situation where we. Uh, there's so many things that we, we don't know, like scientifically that, uh, you know, and that's what the show's about often as well is that uh, a lot of these things, you know, the, whether you're talking about ghosts or like you said, angels previously, or, you know, demons or these types of things, it ends up that we're, uh, we, we, uh, they, they fall like that. This high strangeness does fall into pockets of, um, 
maybe maybe uh, folkloric ex- explanations, I guess. You know, like it could be a demon, it could be an angel, it could be a ghost, it could be a UFO, right? So, so like the same thing. It's kind of like the the plinko game. You drop the thing from the top, and the high strange, and it ends up in this category or that, right? Like as people, right. we try and explain it one way or the other. So, yeah, okay, right. And what's and what's unique, I think, about the postmodern era is that there is a an attempt to explain this in a far more rational way than in past generations, um, who might have chalked it up to magic or, um, you know, uh. Uh, you know, divinity or, or whatnot. Um, and so the fact that we put this sort of scientific lens on it, I think is really key here. Okay. Well, which again, right. Is, is it's part of the equation though. Uh, Cause we're talking about in, in high strangeness, I think you have to try and quantify it scientifically anyway. So I mean, there, there's a lot of things here that they're still clearly still working on that, you know, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe something as, as basic and simple as, you know, ghosts, are a thing and we just don't really know how to quantify that yet scientifically. And so there, you know, th- this work is still going on. It's, it's, it's a thing, electromagnetism sure. and you know, there's, there's a ton of this, but, but okay. So, so I'm with you. But I, think. I would argue, but I would argue, you know, as far as ghosts go, the, the, the current way that we treat ghosts again is markedly different. Ghosts are a very new invention really um, that came around in essentially the Victorian times with the spiritualist movement. I, that's our modern conception of ghosts. And that conception of ghosts is significantly different than similar stories that have, of course, existed. But they're different in the way that the spiritualists specifically tried to essentially quantify them, right? They, they tried to talk to them. They tried to um, do all these things. And, and we have to wonder, what is there really a benefit to the sort of scientific exploration to this? Uh, you know, at, at the point where we are now... Um, when, where it seems like we should have had some sort of conclusive evidence at this point. And you, and, um, what I'm sort of, uh, questioning with, with this sort of theory of post-modernity is that, is whether the, the, it's even necessary to do such a thing because, or is that just a product of our culture that changes how we experience these things? Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm with you. Um, so uh, we we got some interesting comments that uh, we'll we'll get to in the second half. Right? Keep the, keep the good questions coming, guys. That uh, we'll we'll take some of these in a minute here. We're going to make sure we get through his his entire idea and uh, kind of go through this. And and again, uh, somebody in chat said I want to point this out. So so Axel said that, uh, that these are some pretty dense uh, concepts to uh, to try and apply to a, like a, a general type audience. So that's why I'm trying to knucklehead it down a little bit too because. Uh, it's hard for yeah, and I, I apologize if I'm being too, um, you're not, yeah, <laughs> you're, if anyone has like a question about a specific term or anything or clarification, I feel free to throw it at me. Okay. Appreciate that. Uh, and you're not, you're, you're doing you and that's, that's what, that's what we need. <laughs> that's a good thing. Okay. So then, uh, so back to, back to Lacan, you say his name, Lakin, what's his name? Lacan. Yeah. Lacan. So, um, you know, basically what's important to take from, from him if we just, if I just want to sort of summarize where where we are so far, using this hyper real framing, it's irrelevant what the actual fact of the matter is because what I'm studying is the constructed reality that we have all sort of agreed, or even disagreed, but the sort of the general con- concept of what we think of as UFOs in our culture is really what I'm trying to analyze here. Um, rather than get to any sort of r- real truth, because within this framework. It posits that real truth can only be found through the reality that we have constructed. Um, and secondly, um, you, I'm using this Lawson's perinatal hypothesis. So the idea that these alien abductions may be linked in some way to the uh, birth memories or pre-birth memories. 
And, uh, and analyzing that with Lacan, the psychoanalysis, who would, uh, I'm using to say, well, uh, these memories are a memory specifically of our conception of what, um, you know, what you could call the Garden of Eden is, right? If you think of uh, Eden as a metaphor for the, the pre-birth state, the pre-socialized state before we enter the messiness of society, the, the UFO symbolizes our cultural conception of what uh, that uh, state of being is or what that experience is. It's finally time to start firing up the grill. From city to shore, Acme is everything you need to prep for this summer season. Download the Acme app to shop for this season's essentials any way you want. Open the Acme app, clip your deals, then order your items online. An experienced Acme associate will carefully select your groceries, bag your order, and bring it right to your car or deliver right to your door. Download the app or visit acmemarkets.com for program details. It's finally time to start firing up the grill. From city to shore, Acme is everything you need to prep for this summer season. Download the Acme app to shop for this season's essentials any way you want. Open the Acme app, clip your deals, then order your items online. An experienced Acme associate will carefully select your groceries, bag your order, and bring it right to your car or deliver right to your door. Download the app or visit acmemarkets.com for program details. Okay. Okay. Uh, fantastic so, sum up. Yeah. So if, if we're ready to move on, um, the last sort of key piece of this is another uh, philosopher named Heidegger, who um, uh, wrote a, a really interesting um, uh, essay in the 1940s titled, um, I'm, I'm sorry, I always get this one wrong, it, The Question Concerning Technology. Um, and what he posited was that technology is not only a um, state of, you know, matter. It's not just machinery and, and inventions and these kinds of things, but it's a state of mind that we have entered um, in the modern era. And so what he's talking about is that we have shifted our view of the world so that we no longer see nature as this unstoppable force that um you know we would have to conquer to master or that kind of thing rather it's shifted so that the um technology has basically master nature we have no uh, challenge presented to us by getting lost in the woods or whatever uh, on the sort of social level right there's no uh, you know, certainly things still happen, but we have this idea in our head even that technology can solve all of our problems. Um, and even if there are challenges, we can sort of engineer our way out of it. Um, and so the the example of this um, is what he would call in framing is the way that we have attempted to categorize the world. And this is similar to what I was just talking about in the way that our sort of scientific mindset has framed ghosts in a different way than previous eras might have. So, um, you know, phylogenies and these various things that sort of break down something like evolution into these all, all these complicated charts and stuff. It's not that evolution didn't occur. It's that... Um, this technological uh, frame places a, a a sort of set of of rigid ideals on nature that don't really exist, right? Real nature is sort of a sprawling fractal 
um, that we can kind of only place a, a uh, windows over to try to understand it. Um, but, you know, as we get deeper and deeper into the atom or, or, or out, further and further out into space, we, we continue to find that there's like some limit to our even understanding of the world that we can really place on it when it comes to quantum physics and everything. It, it just gets really messy. And so um, Heidegger's idea is that this is really an ideological uh, state of mind rather than just a physical thing. Um, and it, what it does is that it transforms nature into a standing reserve of resources that can just be tapped. Um, and that that's what that we see them. We see nature as this thing that just is there for when we need it for technology. And at the same time, the sort of the the, you know, fear of nature, the the danger of nature um, and its ministry over us has been uh, replaced with technology. So we no longer we we have control of nature but we feel this need to control technology we we the way we talk about it is that as if it's out of our hands right um you know people refer to their computers and you know gremlins and that kind of thing we we think of it as this thing that needs to be tamed um and that's a really significant shift so the reason that this is important is that because i i propose that the reason that UFOs take on such a unique character in their kind of, um, you know, technological or an outer space origins, the reason that they appear that way is because of this shift in our orientation with nature and technology. So, um, you know, we essentially imagine our Eden, our pre-birth uh, whole state of being as being a technological one that is beyond our understanding, but that functions sort of seamlessly. Um, you know, you, you even have these tropes of things like the greys who are these sort of uh, almost cyborg-like, um, uh, you, you know, machines that are all interconnected while still being simultaneously alive. And so our uh, abduction experiences indicate that this is how we view the world. And we, we put this uh, technological explanation onto whatever UFO abductions are um, as a way to place it into our worldview, our technological position. Okay. Uh, a lot there I'm trying to make sense of this. Okay. So, so, uh, I, I get I get that part with us regarding uh, the the technological position, uh, you know, the the gremlins and the machine, and we are that machine, right? Like in this in this right. instance, we are that machine, and so the things that are happening inside of us are, uh, in many cases, still, even though you know scientifically we've come a long way, and uh, you know we can do heart transplants and all these crazy things, there's still kind of gremlins in that machine, like that we're still always uh, kind of wrestling with with ourselves and also scientifically, medically, all this stuff. So I, I, sure, and even I, in narratives of you know artificial intelligence and these kinds of things that, that permeate our culture, and they're all they're all this sort of I think indicate this shift towards technol technology as this big other um, that we that we don't can ever fully comprehend. While at the same time, simultaneously, we feel as though we can fully comprehend nature. Right, which of course is a it, it, again, it's the, the, that right there to fully comprehend something that large is as big as the universe. That's one of those futile chases, <laughs> in my opinion. Um, okay, so just uh, just a heads up, guys. We're we're here uh, kind of discussing. Uh, this is Logan, 
and uh, he's a graduate student uh, in communications that's written a paper, a thesis regarding uh, UFO abductions and uh, how how maybe that uh, has uh, permeated the culture and uh, and everything else that we're talking about. Culture is only one little slice of this. There's a ton here. So um, if you have questions for him, we're going to do questions in the second half if he's uh, if he's keen to stay for a little while. And uh, just start, just type. Perfect, perfect. I uh, appreciate that. Hope you're having a good time. We try and have a good time here and just chill out. Um, but okay, so just type them in. Type the questions in, guys. We'll read some of these as we go uh, in the second half. But let's we're going to get through his uh, his entire idea here. And keep in mind, remember uh, you got to got to have an open mind with this stuff. Remember that uh, you know UFOs is it's not a scientific thing. It's just not like there's there's so many things regarding consciousness. You know, some people have said that uh, they're interdimensional things and all 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 this. Bit, like there's a ton of things that we've talked about during the course of this entire show uh, that you really have to have an open mind for. So we're, so we're we're kind of taking uh, at least at least Logan here in this thesis is taking this entire idea and uh, somehow internalizing it and turning it on us as people that maybe this is something in some capacity that we've created. We've we've done this to ourselves, uh, whether uh, advertently or inadvertently. And uh, that's that's kind of what we're talking about. I'm sure I butchered that, but uh, you'll, you'll correct me if I'm off there. <laughs> no, no problem. Yeah, it sounds 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 about right. So, so. Um, I, I can I can offer just a few kind of uh, more specific details or examples here, uh, if that would be helpful. Um, so we uh, the you know one of the major themes that come up a lot in UFO um, narratives is the theme of um, nuclear capabilities, right? I'm, I'm, I'm I, I think that that is um, a fair statement to make, um, both culturally and in terms of just the the timing that they came around. And, uh, you know, a lot of uh, one of the typologies of narrative is the one of sort of uh, explaining to the abductee that they need to uh, that they're trying to, to end nuclear proliferation or that that kind of thing. Um, I think that, again, if we are considering this as a as a perinatal, um, you know, pre-birth ideal, um, this this vision that we have that we may either be, you know, um, writing over some other experience beyond our comprehension or a psychological one, whatever it is, um, these narratives that form in our culture around it seem to indicate something about um, the need for a uh, existence beyond our own Earth. And so if we think about, again, this this Lacanian idea of the um, lack or the um, uh, the unobtainable object of desire, that this could also be about um, the sort of nuclear domination. Um, you know, again, returning to Heidegger, the idea is that, that technology has now conquered the world over nature. And I think that, you know, the nuclear bomb is really the ultimate example of that, that it has uh you know put us in full control we have the the buttons and so while you know previous conceptions even let's go back to this idea that you know ufos are an updated version of this sort of angelic communion uh you know those types of stories um the idea of heaven being in the sky is a relatively new one um and similarly with ufos i think that that is a really key important element to it that that these beings we all assume come from inner space whereas of course you know if you talk to people deep in the ufo community they'll say a lot you know we don't even know they may come from other dimensions or inside the earth or whatever but there is this cultural assumption that we all make that they come from outer space and i think that that is really key um because it means that we 
see outer space as the last frontier of, of um, the unknowable. And one of the things that I think is really important about all of this is the importance of um, uh, accepting the unknowable, that there are things that are unknowable um, in the world. And that may be the best way to think about these rather than trying to place ex uh, increased meaning on them because they just don't fit within a scientific uh, framework. Ah, the scientific frameworks. <laughs> Uh, you end up you end up spending too much time outside the scientific framework, and you end up doing a show like this. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But you know, I mean, I think that I think that there is some value. And, and what I should what I should clarify though is that when I'm talking about scientific frameworks, I'm not talking about you know just I'm not, I'm not necessarily talking about you know physicists or these recent uh, you know the um, the the reports that have come out of the federal government saying that they're looking into these. Uh, you know, phenomena. That's not exactly what I'm saying. What I'm saying is any type of um, attempt to rationalize these as within a contemporary modern or, or postmodern, if you will, model of looking at them. Um, so that includes, you know, trying to find typologies of aliens or trying to understand the types of equipment that the aliens have or what planets they come from. I think, you know, from my personal perspective, at least, I think that these types of things actually push us further away from coming to any kind of real understanding of the phenomenon, because they look at them far too, uh, you know, uh, technologically. We assume that whatever entities are contacting us, we assume that they are uh, similarly technological and similarly uh, framed uh, in the symbolic order that we are, where they may be completely on beyond our, our comprehension. Yeah. The old, the old human hubris and trying to anthropomorphize every single thing that we come into contact exactly. with. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And, and again, you know, we talk about that quite often. I think, I think given that, it, you know, again, extraterrestrials as a thing, if they're a thing, uh, it's it like all bets are off, and the, the the amount of things they could be is is literally mind boggling. Like the, the we could we could spend uh, just years talking about like the the, uh, the things they could be, you know. I mean, and, and that's mm -hmm. uh, again anthropomorphizing the the green men, the 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 big eyes, the whole thing, right? Uh, it it is a little weird to me that uh, when you're talking about aliens, uh, they all seem to have two arms and two legs, right? <laughs> exactly yeah 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 that's, that's right and, and i think that that's again you know an indication to me that we're we're dealing with something incredibly human even if it is um uh something that we can't possibly understand um and i think that as well um i'll leave you uh with this if i if we're ready to sort of move on to the second half i'm about at the end of my um you know going over my notes sure um but but to sort of wrap up with that um you know i think that a major part of um the uh the, the problem with modern ufology is trying to apply a scientific model to something where there isn't any um and and you know i mean like i said i i think that it's a lot more productive to use terms like high strangeness and approach these things from a um you know a, a sense that they're unknowable and that by by looking at them, we can learn a lot about ourselves um, and the way that we process them. And I think that there's a lot of value in sharing these stories as well, because clearly they are culturally meaningful to people as we, they resonate with us. But um, the example that I would give that I think is a far more productive um, example 
uh, of how to uh, discuss these phenomenon is um, the story of Sun Ra. Um, and he was a jazz musician who claimed that he was abducted by aliens in the 1950s, um, years before, it would have been years before Betty and Barney Hill were, was, were abducted, although he only uh, sort of came out with the story afterwards. So, you know, there, there's, some, there, there's some questions about whether he was making it up or not, but I, I think that that's really irrelevant because it was in the way that he used the story as a um, ambiguous narrative that was really powerful and the way that he talked about um sort of his philosophy and stuff his his whole sort of the core of his philosophy because he because he did do a lot of writing and and speaking to his audience um besides being this um sort of afrofuturist who um talked a lot about the the you know the a way to um you know liberate uh find find equality in um among races in america his philosophy of it was extremely futuristic and sort of um, uh, optimistic in that he felt that UFO stories and narratives and narratives of traveling to outer space could be used as a really useful tool to um, as a society. Um, and a lot of the stuff that he wrote was incredibly ambiguous and was meant to be so because he wanted people to interpret it, it, it their own way. And when it came to his personal abduction story, he was incredibly precise and told it the same way every time, but would not respond to any further questions. And I, I really analyzed this as a way for people to use the story as a narrative in a way that, you know, past generations before the postmodern era, before we tried to press a, um, you know, a scientific boundaries onto these types of things. Um, the way that he used it was in a very productive sort of folkloric way that we can use to learn about um, ourselves and about, um, you know, consider the cosmos in a, in a, in a sort of speculative manner that will bring us closer to, um, you know, finding some sort of greater, uh, truth with what we can, um, because we don't have all of, we, we can't access all of reality. And even if we could, we have so little, uh, you know, material evidence of any of yeah, yeah, uh, uh, all of that. Uh, we're uh, we're talking some pretty dense stuff here, and I I appreciate you coming on. Like I said, a lot a little smoke coming out of my ears at some points, but uh, uh, basically, so we got some good questions to ask. I'm gonna ask you some knucklehead questions in a minute, but so so I want to I want to go back to what you said just real fast. The uh, so so sharing these abduction like let's say stories of abduction abductions, whether they're real or not. Like you said, there's value there, and so and and. and able to come to uh, maybe learn i don't know uh, it, it's so it's so strange to me that uh, we've had people uh, call into the show and you know say they've been uh, had, had abduction experiences uh, seen uh, had some uh, you know aliens in their living room i mean there's there's some um, there's some people that have had some like really uh, traumatic harrowing experiences that uh, that you know if we're if we're running with this uh, have been attributed to to who knows who knows what like uh, it's trauma for sure there's a lot of really bad juju going on but I think I think again, part of doing this show uh, like this in particular is to to get some of that out, where mm -hmm. uh, there, there's that social stigma. You you can't just you can't just go down to like I always make the joke, you know, that bring up aliens at the water cooler. It's, it's not not going to happen. Yeah. It's not a thing. That you you're, you might get instantly. You, you like if you do that in the morning, you're going to get invited to HR by lunchtime, and you'll be 
take pack on your stuff by 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 five o'clock. You know, like it's, right. you end up in some really weird spots. So. Yeah, I, I do, well, and I do. one thing I would say about that too is that I think that uh, a healthy way to look at these things, you know, I think uh, beyond Sun Ra, with that the um, the the oral sort of storytelling that I I attended, I think that the people who approached it as you know this this is something that I don't understand, I don't think I ever will ex- understand. I think that's really the healthiest um, way to do it, and I would say that in general, I think. Um, you know, I, I think that this this applies a lot more to the our, our cultural meaning of it. And I don't want to tell anyone ex- exactly how they should um, interpret their experiences. Um, I do think being open to the idea that it is unknowable and that it's not something that you'll be able to figure out by, um, you know, looking at for patterns and that kind of thing. But looking internally to say, why did I metabolize it in my brain in this way, especially if you're going through hypnotic regression in which you know your subconscious is layering on a lot of additional uh, uh you know cultural baggage um and personal baggage onto whatever was experienced um, yeah. but that that's a, a, as close as i'll get to um giving anyone <laughs> specific advice yeah yeah no of course that, that's not what the show's about anyway so no okay. no of course not i, yeah, I just yeah. think it's I, <laughs> worthwhile yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's a there's a there's a disclaimer, guys. It's it's for sure. Right. <laughs> the, yeah. There's no, yeah, there's no not, answers I'm, here. There are no answers here. Right, and I am I should mention as well. One of the the difficulties with psychoanalysis is that it does apply to both. Um, it's used in a clinical setting as well as a um, rhetorical setting, and so a lot of the times, even you know, psychoanalysts, um, clinical psychoanalysts will disagree with people like me who are trying to. Apply cult psycho psychoanalysis to a broader cultural narrative or to a media work or whatever else, um, and so I'm not pretending to be a clinical psychoanalyst, um, and so I, I again, yeah, I don't mean to uh, uh, try to give anyone advice there, but I do think it's a worthwhile avenue to explore for sure. Agreed. Okay, so let me ask you. Well, well, before we uh, get get to the halfway point and take a break here, um, uh, uh, regarding um, uh, actual uh, hypnotic regression, uh, do do you know anything about that? So, me personally, I don't know a damn thing about it. I know I do know that, like I said, Doctor David Jacobs used it uh, quite a lot with uh, many many different people, hundreds of people over dozens of years. Like I mentioned earlier, uh, like it, the Betty and Barney Hill, which we'll get into a little bit after the break here. Uh, like there's there's a lot of that with this this hypnotic regression thing. Like you said, there's some there's some cultural baggage, there's some subconscious stuff that we can't really define in some cases that kind of bubble up to the top. And then, of course, you know, it depends on who's doing the hypnotic regression, if they're kind of leading and, you know, these types of things. Do you know, do you know enough about it to kind of speak whether this is this is a valuable thing or not? Or is this just one of your well, I mean, again, this, you know, I mean, the problem with answering that question is that it does assume that it's even possible to know. Right. Um, and I, I mean, I think that it's it's really, really difficult to tell exactly what's going on with those instances, but I think that it is worth, it's whatever the output is, um, it's worth considering because it is something that was in your mind. Um, I would also point out that I think that these cases of hypnotic regression, which are really very, you know, by and large, very common among where we get these alien abduction reports, um, they tend to, uh, um, uh, well, so they're they're tapping into the subconscious to some degree, and that is that is what we know. But but it's also a really good example of this concept of hyperreality, in that once you you go under psychoanalysis and you tell yourself, or sorry, not psychoanalysis, hypnotic regression, you go under regression and and you repeat a story while you are unconscious, 
and then you either listen to a tape back to it or um the the um you know uh the person conducting the regression will describe it to you or or you can read it and you then absorb a memory back into your reality which you yourself don't remember even saying or don't remember and so i think that that's a really good example again of this hyper reality this idea that we we believe that there's a reality outside of what we've experienced and in many of these cases nothing was experienced beyond something like lost time um and so that's creating this sense that we understand something that happens that that has happened to us that we don't actually personally even have firsthand recall of um and so it's creating this yeah this this ideal of what we think occurred um and i think that you know the concept of lost time in the first place whatever happens in those moments or or these various things that really indicates a fracturing of the self and the identity it it indicates um you know it's a, a sort of identity crisis of some sort especially even if even if the thing itself wasn't triggered by by anxiety having missing time itself uh is unnerving and so the uh abduction narratives that come out in these regressions may be a way for us to uh ex put an explanation on the um you know the the anxieties of the fractured self okay so uh, uh <laughs> um I don't know, like the, the, the more, the more I read about this stuff and, you know, again, uh, really being really deep into this, it's just, uh, 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 like, like regarding regression, I think it's a fantastic point you make where the, the hyper realities so that you come out of this and it's like a subconscious state or your unconscious state, I mean, and then you're being fed this information kind of to reinforce, right. Whatever came out of the, the missing time incident or the high strangeness or whatever, however you want to actually qualify this, but then it becomes what somebody told you it is right i think i think that's a right that's a good way to put this and, you know yeah and i mean it's it's even as um uh, if it you know the the regression occurs but it may um you 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 i'm sorry i'm stumbling over my words I, my, the point i'm trying to make is that you this is a story you have told yourself it's important to remember if you go into regression that you are not um remembering something when you read back that transcript you are remembering or you are being told a story back to yourself i mean whether or not you choose how you choose to believe that um as literal or as psychological or whatever else it is up to you you know um and so it's just an important aspect of that that it is not to be subsumed into the belief that what you whatever you said is literal because it, it's you know i mean it's there's no way of knowing um um, and so you have to kind of detach yourself and not let that uh, retelling, uh, you know, you can't let yourself control yourself through this uh, regression, if that makes sense. I'm kind of going all over the place, but I hope yeah, that no, makes no. sense. No, no. Hey, 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 you're in the right place. I go all, all over the place, man. <laughs> I range all over the place. No. Okay. So, so uh, the, just what I wanted to point out, like, I, I was just curious. So, okay. So just, just in a nutshell, do you think uh, if you've had like a high, a bout of high, high strangeness, do you think that the, uh, going for regression is a positive thing or do you think it's something that should be avoided just in general terms? Um, you know, I mean, I think it, I think it depends a lot on who you are. I'm going to, I would make sure that you're avoiding. And again, I don't want to make, you know, specific uh, recommendations, but I think that making sure that you're going to someone who is, uh, you know, going to offer you a psycho or psychiatric or psychoanalytic uh, 
um, analysis along with it and is not going to um, just uh, jump to the conclusion that it's uh, real immediately um, is important. Um, but, you know, that's about as far as I'll, I'll go there. I, like I said, I think that there is value in thinking about these things and whether or not you choose to take abductions as a literal experience or not, I think it's really key to, um, you know, to dealing with them and to dealing with other people's stories of them is to consider uh, what they say uh, about us as a society, as well as, um, you know, the sort of real literal reality of it. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Good enough. Uh, uh, okay. So now I'm going to ask you some, uh, so just some knuckleheaded questions. We got a few minutes before the break here, guys. I'm going to ask some knucklehead questions and then uh, type in the chat if you want. Uh, you want to ask some questions. We'll also open up Discord and the phone line in the second half here. So if you want to actually talk to uh, to Logan and uh, ask him some direct questions, I think he said he's cool with that. So uh, we will uh, we'll do that in just a bit. But uh, I see lots of good questions out there. Keep them coming, and uh, we'll get to them in just a sec after my knucklehead questions because I have to ask the knucklehead questions, right? All right. So yeah, now no these problem. are okay. Now these are ish, right? Ish. So like if if uh, like fifty one forty nine. There's no there's no like uh, any any uh, definitive anything here. Okay. But if you were sure. a, a betting man, do actual extraterrestrials exist? Like I said, knucklehead questions. Sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think I you know uh, from my personal perspective, I would like to think they do. I kind of I guess subscribe to the notion that the universe is large enough that I doubt that they don't exist. Um, but I, um, you know, it's, I, again, I'm speaking as a, a person here, not as a researcher and, you know, from the frame of my research, I have to assume this postmodern position that it's unknowable, but, um, yeah, I, I think on a personal level, I, I believe that there are probably, there's probably alien life somewhere out there. Somewhere out there for sure, which I knew you would probably say, cause that's the easy, <laughs> that's the easy, it is the easy way out, I'll admit that. <laughs> it is, but hold on. So like I said, more knucklehead stuff. So. Given that, do you think at some point ever or currently uh, they've we've had uh, contact with them? Do you think there's any kind of evidence, uh, at least at least uh, culturally or, you know, in kind of your gut feeling that uh, maybe this is a thing or uh, uh, just not enough evidence is OK, too? Yeah, I mean, I, I'd like I would like to say yes, but I, I think I'd have to say just not enough evidence. Um, you know, I mean, I. Again, I have to come back to this problem of inconsistencies that I think that if there if we have made contact, it is in such a way beyond our understanding that that what we have in any way recorded as, you know, communication with extraterrestrials is either not at all what we think it is or simply is being experienced in a way that that uh, is not the same as what the the extraterrestrials are experiencing if that makes sense um you know a key part of this is that there is a within sort of um social uh sciences or within you know the, and I, the idea of communication it's it's a two-way street right you have to have um communication on both sides and and it's kind of what you might call the hegelian dialectic which is this idea that you uh, are, are conscious because the person that you're speaking to recognizes you, your consciousness and you recognize that they're recognizing your consciousness and it kind of goes down this like fractal pattern. Um, and that just does not exist in the stories of alien abductions. Um, you know, the, there's this sort of lack of awareness on the part of the aliens, um, this otherness to them um, or well, alienness, right? Um, and so I think that even if we have contacted aliens, 
it's difficult to really say that we've contacted them if there is a lack of two-way communication. Um, and certainly, you know, I, I know that there's there's the whole um, sort of Eisenhower conspiracy and that kind of thing. And I'll, I'll admit I'm kind of writing that off. Um, but the evidence that I have seen, um, you know, I think it's just a lot more complicated than uh, we currently make it out to be. Sure, of course. I think that's a, and that's a fair, fair response. Uh, this, this whole show is about uh, basically... It's complicated. <laughs> yeah, nutshell, exactly. it, it, it's complicated. It's it's not so easy as that. Uh, lights in the sky do not equal little green men. Let's talk. <laughs> Two years later, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, uh, uh, all right. Uh, any so so we're going to take a quick break here. So again, uh, we're 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 actually uh, talking with Logan here. He's a, a graduate student uh, in communications that's written a or is currently writing a thesis regarding UFO abductions. So uh, if you if you've been hanging around listening to this, fantastic stuff. You were you were great, Logan. By the way, that. Uh, that communications majors <laughs> coming through solid man coming through solid <laughs> you're fantastic but if you guys have uh you guys have questions here uh type them in the chat we'll, we'll ask them to logan here uh, regarding uh, his thoughts on all of these things and uh whatever else and like like, like i thought i'd lead with the knucklehead stuff so that uh we didn't uh we, we didn't feel any questions yeah, get too dumb. Way, no <laughs> exactly get that out of the way and then uh and yeah so and, and also different questions i i understand uh, sorry why, why you'd ask for sure it's it's the logical yeah yeah i mean you know it, it's curious to see what uh what an academic thinks of these things and 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 it's interesting too right i say i i use the term you know quote academic but it's not really fair because you know there's so many different types so many different kinds sure <laughs> you know what i mean okay so, well, so I will say, at, you know at my university there's a, as well as a, a physics professor that is really invested in these investigating these kinds of things so there's definitely pockets of ac- academia where this occurs even if it's not you know the most widely accepted thing yeah, for sure. And there are, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I don't know if you've heard of Avi Loeb from Harvard. I mean, he's he's one of like the, the most well-respected um, um, actual, uh, what would you call it? Uh, he's he's it. I don't know. It, 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 he's way up there. He's one of the top five in the world of, uh, I can't get the term. But, uh, but uh, no, it's like a, a astrobiologist, astro, oh, sure. yeah, something like yeah. that. It's something like that. I don't know. I don't know the exact term, but, but he's, he's well-respected and uh, like I said, tops in the world here. And he actually comes out from time to time with some stuff that just turns the world on its head because, because he's kind of allowing himself to think outside of that box, right? Kind of outside of that academic um uh, framework like we were talking about earlier, which you kind of have to be able to step out of to really give give it its its paces, right? You you really have to think outside the box, otherwise you're just kind of doing what you're told. You know, you're kind of regurgitating the the stuff. So, I, I appreciate your take so far because, uh, in my opinion, you're doing exactly that. You're kind of taking some of the stuff from the past, some some philosophy here, some uh, some some cultural stuff here, and you're kind of uh, applying it to. I mean, of all amazing, cool things, aliens. Uh, and let me ask you this: uh, regarding that, are you going to get any blowback for doing your uh, your paper on this? Um, you know, I I mean, it's uh, I I guess I've had a little pushback from one professor that I tried to to work on this with. Um, but it was actually really more just because I was approaching this as a, a critical, um, theoretical, um, sort of philosophical type of research more than the actual subject matter itself. I think it's easy to kind of within the field of communication, at least, it's easy to kind of uh, remove yourself from the uh, messiness of it again, because I can say, well, I, I, you know, I'm looking at this as a cultural narrative that exists, whether or not UFOs exist, we, no one can deny that there is a 
story that that is spread and and genres that are created for um these types of stories that uh, form within communities of people who mo you know the majority of which have never been abducted and we are all sort of familiar with this and so that's really uh, at the end of the day, what I'm what I'm looking at, um, depending, um, you know, even if I do get a bit um, philosophical in the progress, I think it's necessary. I, I, again, uh, like I said, I appreciate you kind of applying it to something a little bit out of the box because it does make for not just fantastic conversation. It also makes for, a, you know, like a fantastic thought process and, uh, and and being able to, like I said, apply outside of these uh, these academic frameworks. So. Uh, good stuff. Okay, so we're going to take a quick break here. And uh, again, type your questions in the chat, guys. I'm going to open up the phone lines. We're going to take a quick two-minute break, um, and uh, we will be right back. And this, we're here with uh, Logan, again, a graduate student uh, in communications, writing a paper on UFO abductions, a, uh, a thesis. So we're, we're still talking about this stuff. Uh, get your questions ready for him. Uh, fire them out. We'll, we'll read them to him. And uh, if you want to join the Discord and do all that stuff, we're about to open that up as well. So uh, quick two-minute break. We will be right back. Uh, as you will, Logan. <laughs> Catch you in a little bit. All right, here we go. Song. Let's play this song.
right. Does anybody have a timer? Is that two minutes? Probably a little long. That's all right. I'm getting the phone lines up, and we're uh, we're here uh, talking with Logan, graduate student uh, in communications, wrote a paper on uh, UFO abductions. And uh, can you believe this? Can you believe this? Right? This is a uh, this is good stuff to me because it it, it it tickles my heart that academics out there are. Are, are looking at the alien abduction phenomena one way or the other, right? It doesn't really matter. I think when you given, no matter how you want to look at it, uh, and you know how, no matter how you want to say uh, specifically that, uh, you know, this person's an expert or that or Graham Hancock's or the Tom DeLong's or the Lou Elizondo's, whoever these guys are the world, right? These, these UFO experts, the truth of the matter really is there's no such thing as a UFO expert, right? I mean, let's, let's be real here. Is that uh, this is this high strangeness, this phenomenon that we're we're always talking about is uh, is about uh, our perception of it and uh, and what that really means. It could it could mean a lot of things. And uh, I appreciate this uh, again, Logan, for uh, for coming on the show and uh, sharing his thoughts with us. It's uh, again for me. Uh, we talk about this stuff quite a lot, and often a more literal sense. And to kind of uh, stretch the brain here, and uh, like I said, a little smoke coming out the ears, I think is good for me from time to time. So uh, definitely well, good stuff. I appreciate it. Thank, thanks for being on the show. Um, okay, so with that said, uh, it's it's question time. Actually, we're going to get into Betty and Barney Hill a little bit, so we'll see what the questions, where that goes, and then maybe we won't get into that. Uh, depends on uh, you guys. So smash the questions in. Uh, the phone line is up, so if you guys want to be part of the show, we're, we're talking with Logan here, 702-957-1037. You can click the Discord link and join the show that way. Troubledminds.org is the official website. You can find both the phone number and the Discord link there, and uh, let's read some of these questions and get into this. Anything you want to add to, to kind of wrap wrap up your uh, your your thesis there, or uh, you think you got it all? Any any uh, any? I think, quick... I think I'll, I'm sure there'll be some things I want to add, but uh, that's that's about all that I have for now. Okay, sweet. Uh, let's go. Uh, so so Bailey says uh, we started this conversation suggesting that simulations are antithetic to hyperrealism. How does this hyper realism theory differentiate itself from a belief that the simulation cannot be explained? That's a big okay. One. So, do, so, so um, I, I hope I, I'm understanding the, the question correctly. I, you know, I know it's a lot of big words, uh, and it's a lot of big words coming at me as well. Um, it's uh, you know, a complicated topic. But if I'm getting the question correctly, I think that um, the, the idea is is that what often what we think of as the simulation in pop culture is, um, you, you know. In a similar way that the UFO phenomena might be expressing um, certain psychological uh, understandings about the world or, or anxieties or things that we're just recognizing, um, art and literature that that addresses this idea of the simulation, um, it really is sort of... I'm not saying that the matrix is literal, but I'm saying that the matrix is uh, indicating something that already exists in society without necessitating a literal um, existence of uh, people living or, you know, being uh, uh, absorbed in in pods in an alien world. What, uh, you know, what simulation theory suggests is that just by our trying to understand uh, what reality is, um, we project a simulation onto everything. This idea that we do understand that we uh, how that we have found an absolute truth, um, and you know, I think this also comes back to again this uh, really the postmodern culture that we we have created and that we create these simulated environments as well, right? We create 
um, these illusions that we, uh, you know, visit, right? You know, the postmodernism is really marked by the existence of things like themed bars and, um, uh, you know, products that are emulating other products, um, fake fruit, all these types of things um, have built us a world. Not that, not that there, it's not that there, uh, reality doesn't exist, but it's built a world where the definition between reality and what is imaginary has become simulated and fractured. And uh, similarly, you know, I think social media is a really good example of that. That that is a simulated uh, social experience. Um, and yeah, at the same time, we project this sort of even further level of uh, imagination that uh where we consider ideas like well maybe we're in a simulation well we're already you know engaging in simulated conversation through facebook messenger and and this audio recording right now you know i can't see you but i have the uh image in my mind that you exist out there somewhere um and that, that is reality but that is a simulation because i you know can't see you i have no proof that you are really there this is just my subjective experience but all these little social pieces that have been built up through technology and through uh complicated social norms and and fashion and and branding and all these things have created this world in which uh we are sort of floating above reality in increasingly uh complex layers where it becomes difficult to as much as we try to scramble to the top by adding more layers of meaning and symbols on everything we just continue to fall uh, or we just continue to sort of pull ourselves further away from the actual reality which is unknowable on some level and that creates a lot of anxiety um, does that? Uh, I hope that answers the question. I know um, I, it was uh, trying to just add a little bit of clarification there, I suppose. Yeah, that's okay. Perfect. Perfect. Um, so uh, questions, guys, uh, keep them coming in the chat. We'll read some of these. There's, there's a lot of questions about their, their uh, short brief. Uh, like I said, some of the knucklehead stuff I already kind of covered here. Um, all right. So uh, keep the questions coming, guys. If you want to be part of the show, 702-957-1037. We're here with Logan, a grad student that wrote a uh, thesis on UFO abductions. So uh, kind of a looking at this from a different perspective from what we're used to but again like the the entire premise of the show has always been let's let's look at all of this with an open mind let's uh let's actually take a uh, take a look at what the phenomenon might mean uh not just uh for for yourself but for everybody around you and i think we have a nice uh, encapsulation of this with uh, with this conversation tonight um uh, let's see what else do we got uh other questions here let's see uh i think extrapolating simulation theory uh let's see hold on uh, based on the vastness of time and the size of the universe, what are the probability aliens are here? I already asked you that. Uh, let's see. Um, da -da, what else? Uh, questions, questions, lots of questions. Lots of, lots of cr cross side chat as well. Okay. Let's, uh, all right. So we're, we are doing this live guys. If you want to be part of the show, 702-957-1037. Keep the questions coming. If I missed your good question up top, cause the, the chat scrolls like crazy, just, uh, just type it in again and I will uh, read it out. Let us know. Um, we already talked about uh, uh, whether whether uh, Logan here believes aliens exist and uh, th that type of stuff. So, uh, if there's any uh, any things uh, questions about his uh, thesis here or about uh, about uh, I, I think I have a fascination with your uh, your your uh, birth situation where you said kind of climbing through uh, through tunnels, right? So, like a kind of different yeah. situation. You ever heard of uh, Skinwalker Ranch? Yes. Yeah, I'm familiar. <laughs> yeah. So that, there's that uh, that that theme of uh, people having that 
similar abduction experience, but it, it's a, it's sort of a wormhole type situation. Like a, it, it's kind mm-hmm. of a, kind of sticks to that, uh, that, that phenomenon there. So I don't, I don't know how that, that sure. applies, but, but go ahead. Well, there. no, it absolutely does. I, I think so. And, and, you know, I mean, there, there's various types, there's the, the sort of more, yeah, wormhole uh, imagery, but then there's also this more sort of just, uh, you know, medical imagery that also would suggest this. And then as well, um, you know, there's a lot of, uh, in this sort of alien human hybrid narrative, there's just so many themes of, um, birth and, uh, um, anxiety surrounding, um, reproduction. Um, you know, a common trope is that, uh, the, the human subject will be brought aboard a ship and asked to, um, look at these, um, alien human hybrids that are kind of withering away. And you have to ask, uh, what does this say about us? in terms of our relationship and fears toward um our 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 birth and our future births and um you know especially i think that a lot of the times those uh stories at least you know one in particular uh that is local to here um where i am um it does seem that there a lot of people have sort of traumas around these types of things in this particular case it was a woman who um decided to get a um her tubes tied right um and and she clearly had uh, by her own admission a lot of mixed feelings about that um and and you know parental judgment those types of things and that uh certainly seems connected to these um stories of uh having to um, take care of her alien human hybrid daughter um, or, you know, the aliens being upset with her when, when she was abducted and they learned that she had her tubes tied. Um, So I I think that there's a lot of, um, uh, uh, you know, sort of things that, that seem to indicate uh, that there's a connection with the subconscious kind of uh, birth imagery that uh, occurs. Uh, and uh, and I like it. Like I said, uh, all, all the time spent talking about this. This is the first time I'm hearing of it. And can you can you actually uh, uh, clarify that guy's name real quick? I tried to find it. Uh, Albert Lawson is that his name? Let me let me make sure because I think I'm mixing it up with another Lawson okay. that I'm familiar with. Alvin Lawson. Alvin Lawson. Um, okay. And I believe it was written in 1977. Um, I can look up the exact. Uh, title if you're interested as well i would love to read that so yes please uh so there we go alvin lawson got the name 1977 okay so uh good stuff right Uh, this is a like i said it's interesting to me to talk about this for as long as we have and get like a fresh perspective here so again guys i know we got we got a lot of uh, folks out there saying boo hiss not not flesh and blood aliens what kind of shit is this but it's okay like again remember there's no experts in this there are no experts, no matter what anybody wants to tell you, right? Unless they can like hold the hand of a little green man and walk him up to you, then uh, the, there's there's no experts here, guys. And so uh, all this stuff to me is fascinating and worth a good conversation. So uh, uh, bottle the hate. The, the exact title of the paper is "Perinatal Memory" or er, sorry, "Perinatal Imagery in UFO Abduction Reports from 1977." Okay. Perfect. Sorry, actually, I'm getting I'm getting that wrong as well. It's 1984. 84. Um, maybe it was previously published. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, let's see. What other questions do we have? Um, oh, actually, I got I got this question for you. So, so talking about hyper realism and, and where we started, uh, how, what do you? Uh, <laughs> how do I put this without sounding like a knucklehead? Um, okay. So, so it's actually gaining traction that uh, something like the Matrix, get, even gaining traction in certain circles of academia, that uh, that 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 uh, uh, Matrix thing is is real and we are actually living in a an actual 
computer simulation. Uh, what kind of uh, what, what's your take on that? Uh, d- maybe decoupling it from your your paper and your thoughts here on hyperrealism. But uh, uh, what do you think ba- the basis of that is? And do you have any thoughts on whether it's real or it's just a type of no, pipe dream? Or- I mean, I, I've seen kind of you know I, I I've seen various things. I, I try to stick to the sort of academic view of it. I've seen, you know, I think both the paper that said uh, proof we're living in the simulation and then another one that said proof we're, uh, you know, not living in the simulation. And I think that um, for me, at least trying to stick to this kind of um, postmodern philosophy, I think that um, the real simulation, if you will, is the just the, the belief that we do or we don't. Um, and, uh, you know, just the fact that there are news reports that go around that in popular press that are titled something like, uh, you know, oh, scientists prove that we're living in a simulation or they disprove that we're living in a simulation that, you know, that kind of thing within itself, spreading those ideas are just, uh, well, in in practice, just as uh, good as living in a simulation. Because if we all believe that we're living in a simulation and no, no one can really agree on what reality is, then, um, it, you know, we're, we might as well be living in the simulation because that's just... Uh, the state of our minds. And at the end of the day, our perception of the world is all that we really have access to. That creeps me out just a little bit. So, but then, but then that doesn't that imply at some point that there's no like actual crosstalk, no, 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 no connection there. Or is that to me just no crosstalk between, between individuals or between, well, between, um, between, between these realities. realities, yeah, between these realities, right? So if we're we're all our own subjective mm-hmm. uh, silo, let's say that uh, I don't know. Like I said, it creeps me out just a little bit, but yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, so no, I, I think I understand what you're saying. So like, I, yeah, I mean, basically the idea that that we don't we don't share a reality, right? If you believe we live in a in a um, um, you know a matrix like reality, and I believe that we don't, we are both. St- staking our flag in what is real um and by doing this we fracture the shared sort of agreement of reality and that's you know that's a small example i'm not saying that that's like a problem to disagree with that but increasingly our perception of the real has become more and more fractured and since you know since the sort of telecommunications uh (laughs) excuse me kind of revolution uh, that has really changed our perception of everything, given us this access to more knowledge than we've ever had before. Um, we've become incredibly fractured as a society, and you know, I mean, people talk about the way and the ways in which both both um, we become fractured politically um, and economically, but also in that you know, there's fake news, and what is fake news, and what is real news, um, and these have essentially put us into different versions of the real and this is again something that Baudrillard predicted in in the 70s um that we are increasingly living in this um kind of version or each our own version of reality that we believe is the way things are um rather than you know opening ourselves up to um sort of the uh um unknowable so um what he would call this is specifically is the banal strategy and the fatal strategy and that the banal strategy of looking at the world is trying to pile on meaning and trying to uh you know fully understand what is real um whereas the fatal strategy is one that more embraces a sense of uh fate and uh you know 
magic and um, the unknowable um, in it, the sense that uh, we just accept that there are things um, that are unknowable to us and that, uh, you know, just embracing that sort of uh, ironic stance. Uh, like I said, you're very good. You were very good. <laughs> uh, you, you bring up magic there. Another knucklehead question. Do you practice magic? <laughs> um, I, I have a lot of interest in it. I mean, I think that, um, uh, you know, the type of um, cults uh, thing that became popular in after the, um, uh, you know, within the 20th century is a way to push back on, um, you know, this idea of the banal strategy that things have to be um, kind of organized and precise and definitive. Um, the the thing that I think is really interesting about that, um, especially compared to the treatment of the UFO phenomenon within these communities um, of, you know, on one hand, UFO believers, and I think some overlap, but the community of, um, you know, sort of magician um, people that are interested in, in magic with a K and that kind of thing. Um, and I know there's, you know, there's quite a bit of controversy around uh, that, um, some of it quite deserved. But I think that there's there's something interesting there as far as it, it accepts a sense of um, uh, cosmic um, unity that is both exists, but is also beyond our comprehension. And that I, I really do appreciate about it. Yeah, something I didn't expect. <laughs> I thought you'd just laugh at me. <laughs> you gave me a good answer. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's it's okay to just laugh at me. Uh, I do it all the time. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, oh, I got a good question here on, on, on uh, YouTube. Hey, guys, keep them coming. Uh, Toha on YouTube says, now, I'm gonna, this is a little bit dense with the big words and the big concepts. Okay. So right. I'll read it a couple, three times if necessary. So it's okay. So the question here is, are we mixing environmental biomimicry with simulation simulator of enviro and biomechanics then if it's also complicated into stationary planetary dimensional beings and celestial dimensional beings a lot there but uh it is it is one of those uh, mind bender type thoughts here we go let's go let's go to the first part are we mixing environmental biomimicry with simulation simulator of enviro enviro and biomechanics let's start there so um, I'm going to take a stab at this. Uh, I promise I'm not trying to evade the question. I just may not be understanding it fully. Um, I, if I'm getting this right, I think that what is being asked is, are we sort of projecting our own, um, you know, bio, biomechanical uh, or uh, understanding of the world onto something that is outside of that? Is that, is that what you're getting from that at all? Or am I off base? No, I, th I think I think that's that's what he's asking. Okay. I think you're right. I, I mean, yes, and I think that that is the, um, you know, if you accept what my theories, which you don't have to, but if you accept my analysis, I think that that is the way to consider these um, these abductions as still uh, a occurrence that exists outside of personal, um, you know, psychology. Um, but I will say as well, you know, there is always, there are still these problems of things like personal um, existence that, that science has not answered, right? Um, you know, things like the soul and, and uh, consciousness and, and the exact nature of awareness um, that, that are, can't really be quantified in the, the you know, the mind-body problem and these various issues. Um, and so I think that, that, 
another way to think about it as well is that even if this is internal, even if it is a psychological experience entirely that doesn't happen in physical reality, that that still may be something that we don't understand. Um, and so I think that, again, yeah, that may be a way of, of our, uh, yeah, to use those terms, you know, applying a biomechanical uh, understanding to something that is uh, coming from within or from without or from somewhere we just don't understand yet. Gotcha. Okay. Now, now I know now this is, this is not fair to you asking, like we're literally coming out of like nowhere. <laughs> some of this. Sure. So, so uh, the woo, the woo woo might be deep. So just uh, put your, put your woo woo boots sure. on and sure, we sure. should be okay here. Uh, but, uh, yeah. but, but, but just so you guys know, uh, uh, we're not dealing with a metaphysical expert here. Just, just so you know, <laughs> like, right. Unless, unless I, you want to, I, I can't say I'm interested in it, but I'm not. Okay. All right. So, so just saying like, uh, uh don't, uh, yes. don't, yeah. Don't be brutal on the guy. So here we go. Ash has got a question. What's up, Ash? She says, if it turns out aliens have been here the whole time, would you consider that a massive failure of science? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, that is uh, very circumstantially dependent, I think. I mean, if, if we find them in the form of, you know, little gray uh, uh, aliens um, that are somehow, um, have been under the crust of the earth or something or flying around in spaceships and we somehow have just missed them. Um, I mean, I think that points to either a colossal conspiracy or um, just, uh, yeah, a bizarre failing on your part. Um, And I mean, I think that the fact that we haven't yet, at least not publicly would kind of indicate um, that it, it, just the fact that we haven't been able to quantify this phenomenon on some level, I think does show that there's a limit to what science can offer. Um, and I think that at the end of the day, a lot, that's a lot of my point is that, uh, taking, trying to, to prove this in any sort of scientific way, um, may not be the route to go. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a, I don't know, like you said, it's, it's trying to apply science to something that seems to be outside the bounds at this point. It's uh, again, you know, like a square peg, round hole sort of situation, if I understand that right. Um, we got a couple calls here, so yeah. let's let's take these phone calls and uh, let's do it. All right, uh, what's up, uh, Benjamin from Virginia? You are on Trouble Minds uh, with Mike and Logan. Uh, you got a question for him? Yeah, actually, I got um, a couple questions. The, the first question I have is, do you think that there could be um, like with these abductions, do you think that there could be a connection between the human that's being abducted to the alien that abducts the human? That's a great question. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I think that again, that is something that we, uh, um, it, it, it kind of would be a part of what I'm proposing here. Um, in a couple ways. So, even if we do take this as a phenomenon that we don't understand, again, that link to our, uh, you know, being ourselves that that science can't quite explain um, our awareness and perception and those deeper roots that we that don't see that seem to extend beyond um, just the, the chemical explanations. Um, you know that there are sort of a there's sort of a connection between us and these aliens in some way. Um, no, I mean, to... I'm, what I mean sure. is, is like a, um, a soul connection. Um, right. No, absolutely. So, 
Yeah. So I, I, I think it, I, I let, let me finish what I'm going to say and, and you can clarify. But I mean, I think that I think that, you know, if this is if these are separate entities, um, there's lots of these reports of um, this sort of telekinesis. And so I think certainly that is a, a, a potentially a way to think about it if you want to take it less literally and think about it as, as a purely psychological phenomenon. These are beings that are, uh, you know, being projected by our own um, sort of subconscious um, and which, again, yes, would have a, a connection to our mind. But I, de I definitely think that, you know, I mean, the prevalence of stories where there is a, a telekinetic um, communication or some sort of very personal aspect to these aliens, I, I would, I guess, agree that there seems to be some sort of personal connection. Does that, uh, am I understanding you right? Um, I want to say on the lines of, I, I know this may sound kind of silly, um, I'm talking about more on a love-type connection, like a, a soul-bond-type connection. Have you ever heard the term? I, I mean, I know you wrote, wrote you know, whatever paper, whatever for your paper, sure. but have you ever heard the term starseed? Yes, yeah, uh-huh. And the, the type of connection I'm talking about is, um, I guess, uh, being something before and you were seated here and could that possibly have something to do with the abductions yeah so i mean i think returning to this concept of you know like i was saying this kind of garden of eden lacanian notion that there is a uh, um, unobtainable object of desire that there that we subconsciously have an idea that there was a perfect state of being before our birth. Um, you know, what you're describing sounds very similar to that desire, right? That there is a element to these stories that seem to indicate that we are desiring a state of being outside of the realm of what we see as real, because what we see as real is not grounded. So, experiencing an alien abduction could be seen as an experience of ultimate true reality, which is another reason I think why so often alien abductions and uh, psychedelic experiences are very close and, and it's similar. And, and, you know, DMT experience uh, experiencers report similar stories. I think it's because it, 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 on a similar subconscious level, it strips us down to uh, this um, perception that we are experiencing a direct reality. Um, it's, drifts away those sort of superstructures and symbolic orders that we use to understand the world. And so, you know, through, if you buy into my theory, what, uh, what this would mean is that um, the starseed idea comes from a similar place of wanting a, uh, desiring some sort of uh, ultimate um, kind of perfect state of being or origin point for our consciousness that we uh, feel is missing. My second question is the the simulation that you were talking about. Have you ever yeah. thought that we could be in what's called a living simulation? Uh, um, is that is that different than you know the the sort of idea of a, a matrix esque um, uh, sort of like you know computer simulation? Um, it's it, it's the idea of the matrix simulation, but an actual living simulation where we actually live the simulation. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that we do, right. I mean, I think that that is what society is. 
you know, I mean, if we were, if, if you were born in, uh, to wolves in that sort of like classic jungle book setting, um, and you were raised outside of society, that would be a completely different experience and your understanding of the world would be, um, I mean, frankly, much closer to reality, but in order, you know, as a species, what sets us apart from animals is having created a, you know, a simulated construct that just has become more and more complicated um of social norms and uh expectations and artificial um uh you know symbols that are applied to things to provide a, a structure on the world and you, we can see that having sort of accelerated with digital technology and all these sort of things so i mean yes i think in a way we do live in a living simulation whether or not you consider that you know how literal that is Thank you my, my final question that I have for you. Um, Benjamin, hold up, buddy. We got, do we got you guy. believe that abductees such as myself can regress through hypnotic regression and end up having what's called dream states to where we're aware that we're being abducted? And do you agree with that? Okay, going to bump you off, Benjamin, and uh, take take this one offline, and we're going to line up the next call. Thank, I appreciate the uh, the call and the questions. Uh, all right, uh, go ahead. Sorry about that. Um, are, 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 is there someone someone else on, or are you helping? Uh, do you want an answer? I'm no, sorry. you're good. Yeah, go go ahead and answer that if you could, and then uh, I sure. just just tell just telling him to take it offline because I bumped him for his question. I got another yeah. another guy on deck. No so so yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No problem. So yeah, I mean, so really quickly, I think. Um, you know, I think that, uh, again, when considering these hypnotic regressions, uh, it's important to consider the, um, the elements of cultural understanding and personal understanding that you're bringing to these beyond, um, you know, in a similar way that you might interpret a dream, right? Um, you know, one of the things, one of the sort of like psychoanalytic tools to observe dreams is to consider the possibility of uh, substitution. So that if you see an object in a dream, it doesn't necessarily mean that that literal object is important to you, but rather the the sort of symbol that the object, object represents, even if it's something that, um, you know, might have a literal symbol, it, the way that it's being used in the dream may be uh, symbolic of something else going on in your life, and that object is just sort of uh, coincidental. Um, so I think that applying that kind of analysis to these hypnotic regressions is really important to look beyond just the surface level, uh, literal uh, potentiality of it, and consider maybe what you, your subconscious mind is uh, uh, you know, surplanting on these kind of uh, almost, uh, you know, religious experiences um, that are, you're using to uh, explain them or to uh, add a, a sort of personal meaning to them. But that's that's about as far as I'll go with that. So, but best of luck and thanks. <laughs> is, is that all? for the question? Is, is that that's only yeah? That's you're, you're again impressive, man. That, like that the woo questions come and you you tackle them. You tackle them. Definitely good stuff. All right, we got uh, Joe from Florida. You're on with uh, Logan and Mike. Uh, you got a question for him? Uh, yeah, actually, probably pretty quick. But when you mentioned the birth hypothesis, I immediately thought of Travis Walton. If he's if Logan's familiar with that. I know there's a scene in the movie, Fire in the Sky, where he wakes up in the UFO and everybody's like in a cocoon or covered with skin. And then he's dragged around and he shows up in town naked, like you would be newly born. And 
you start to wonder if he was an adult when that happened. It, the abduction supposedly took place with a group of people. A, how could you explain what the group experience was, unless it was some kind of group hypnosis? And well, so the, the fact that he oh, was sure, go, ahead. go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, and and so I mean, you know, again, I'm I. It's it's difficult because I, I'm going to kind of dodge the question of of you know why was he naked and those kinds of things. I mean, I you know certainly you could chalk it up to uh, a psychotic break or or whatever else. But I, I also don't I, I don't think that that's necessarily a productive like argument to have. I, I think that my analysis could just as easily apply if this was some sort of uh, you know greater um, supernatural experience. So. My understanding of his story is is that um, the other uh, you know individuals involved saw the the UFO and and ran away um, or some version of that and then it was just his experience. I might be wrong about that, but just so that we're on the same page, I, I think that's how it happened. Um, so with Travis Walton, um, I I totally agree. I mean, I think that the you know the movie especially, which was I, I my understanding is it was based pretty closely on his testimony. Um, certainly has a lot of that birth imagery and that birth imagery is really common throughout abduction experiences not just of tubes going in and out and that kind of thing but also of seeing other people in kind of embryonic states um and children and those those types of things um and so uh yeah i mean i think that that's a good case study of uh these sort of this sort of birth imagery hypothesis potentially so let me ask you this i mean i don't know what kind of where your belief leans, but how about if that maybe really happened to them and their mind is, or maybe that's what you're trying to say, their mind trying to make sense of it is swinging back yes. to being yes. bored, like a chicken in the egg. Are we looking at birth or yes, absolutely. are we reliving our birth or did it really happen and we're, you know, connecting it to birth? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I think that's basically kind of what, um, you know, what my hypothesis is, is that if we undergo whatever this, you know, very intense, stressful, but often also often joyous experience, this incredibly emotional, um, psychological experience, whether it's, you know, a, a, a real phenomena that is happening um, with some physical presence or not, we, you know, in a similar way that, that, that a you know, PTSD victim or um, someone who has experienced another type of extreme trauma might um, sort of rewrite history in their mind um, to sort of explain, which often, I mean, often, you know, a lot of uh, the, the reality of it is, is that a lot of abductees are uh, dealing with some type of other trauma. And often, it, you know, the the abduction stories are come out of that trauma. Um, and uh, in, especially that's often the case in cases that can be kind of disproved, I think, is that that's often how people explain it. And so I think that even if you take it as well, even if the, there are people who have experienced something real, it would be so traumatic. And through the process of regression or, or through this sort of process of, self, you, know, memory, you know, memory and memory wiping and all these types of things, lost time, um, all that necessitates our minds to paint another picture on top of it. And so I think that that is kind of what is going on there. So, so in my last question, I guess, I mean, I had one more, but my last question would be sure. the case studies or people that you may have interviewed or looked at, if I've read it rather quickly on Baudillard, uh, how he 
I guess, equates these things to paintings. I'm looking at the four paintings. Are you classifying any of these case studies in any of these four paintings? I guess the first representation of the actual depiction, or would it be the extreme fourth representation that to me almost sounds like it's Dolly, slip sliding in between reality and here? Do you classify anybody when you look at the case? So, so, I mean, I think, I think the thing is with Baudrillard, um, I, I think I know what you're referencing. Um, the thing about it is that, that from his perspective, everyone in the postmodern era, maybe with an exception of people who are living in developing countries um, or something along those lines, you know, everyone in, in America, at least, is already living in the, the fourth uh, level of simulation. Um, and so that's why these types of things like UFOs become so complicated is because um, they sort of exist on yet another level of um, of simulation. But at that point, um, everything has become so jumbled um, and is, becomes kind of a feedback loop onto itself that it doesn't actually re it doesn't really progress further. And so I would say that all alien abductions exist within that that fourth layer of simulation of um, something that is beyond our comprehension. Um, and yet we still, and, and we don't often, we don't even experience it personally, but we still subsume into our, uh, image of reality. Makes sense. So then a good example would be Our Lady of Lords might have been a religious town and whether some of us here might think that they saw a UFO in Lords, they believe they saw the Virgin Mary. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I think that the, okay. I think that the UFO story is a technological what i would say i suppose really post-religious and you know i i know that there you know plenty of experiencers are religious um but it's it's more of the idea that there is a post-religious society as an idea that we live in a society dominated by a scientific understanding of the world and so yeah you know i think in some communities that are religious enough they you know a similar experience could be explained as a, a spiritual one um whereas the sort of hyper modern um technological and that's where that sort of heidegger piece comes in uh view of these uh phenomenon is uh the way you know the way that it is technological and and uh a scientific rather than spiritual joe you're the man buddy i appreciate the questions thanks for the call no problem good night good luck with your paper thanks, all man. right thank you Thanks a lot, man. Have a good night. That's Joe from Florida. All right, guys, we are on the phone here with Logan. Uh, he's a, uh, a, a, what is it, communications major, and he's uh, written a paper yeah. on... Uh, I, should probably, I should probably get going pretty soon, but uh, it, well, I have time for a couple more questions, I guess. That's okay. Well, uh, let me ask you a couple quick questions then. So, okay. Uh, sure. Then, uh, real quick, how about, uh, how about your, your take on Deja Vu here? How's that fit into what your, uh, your, uh, your, your, your paper kind of uh, postulates? Or does it? Yeah, she, yeah uh, that's, that's an interesting question. I mean, I think I certainly think that, you know, it's uh, a part of the whole, you know, experience part of this um, uh, high strangeness and that kind of thing. Um, certainly, I think that there are some scientific explanations for it. Um, one really interesting one that I've heard is that your um, mind uh, sort of becomes desynchronized chronologically from your perception, um, if, if that makes sense. So the, the images that you are perceiving kind of happen a moment later so you in a way you are having deja vu but it's literally of a, a microsecond previous um where you have the it triggers something that makes it feel like you're remembering something 
it happened just a moment earlier. So I think that you can chalk it up to psychological phenomena, um, but certainly, you know, deja vu is a big part of the alien experience as well. And I think that it, um, again, as a psychological phenomena can be looked at um, as potentially, um, you know, something relevant. Okay, you, you you've you've been a fantastic sport tonight. I appreciate it. One final one, and then that, and you, and you can yeah. roll. Uh, so uh, so William on Facebook says, would Logan agree to suggest that all abductions are psychological? No, um, I mean again, I think that it's it's irrelevant. Um, you know, I I think I I mean I personally go back and forth on it. Um, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't maybe say that to uh, my professor. But I, I mean, you know, I go back and forth on on whether or not I think that these things are real. I think the furthest I go is to say that I don't think it's a literal physical um, object coming from outer space um, in the way that, you know, we might think about the Roswell incident or something. I don't I, I think that it is at some level um, within our own minds that it happens um, or at least within some sort of shared collective kind of, you know, rip in reality and cultural understanding and, and shared meaning. Um, and I think that that, you know, yeah, sure, it could be chalked up to psychological effects. But at the same time, you also can't chalk all psychological effects up to science in the way that, you know, you can, uh, the chemicals in the brain only can explain so much. Um, so I think that uh, I certainly think that there's something more going on. Um, but whether it's uh, you know, completely just some bizarre effect in our heads or um, something that is a tangible um, kind of phenomena or an external um, uh, consciousness of any kind. And I think that's really where the question is, right? That we all kind of want to know is, is, are there, is there another conscious being looking back at us or is this just ourselves? Um, and I, that seems to be the crux of that question. I don't think that there's any way to really ever answer that at this point. Come on, man. Really? Is there a God? <laughs> You're supposed to know it all, bro. Uh, You're supposed to know it you all. Know, in, <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. Right. I mean, it, it's a similar, it's a similarly large ontological question, right? Um, and that, that we can only ever really have faith in either way. Um, and so I think that uh, it's uh, it, whatever happens in reality, I, I can't really say. And so that's at least the this, this sort of unique angle that I'm trying to take on this thesis. To start, and I know maybe it's a bit of a cop out, but I, I try to sort of straddle the, the line and say, analyze this so that it's, it's a way to consider this phenomenon um, from both an academic uh, perspective and, um, you know, that, that can still consider the possibility of there's something being beyond our, our knowledge. Yeah, of course. And like I said, I was joking, of course. And I, I'm no, impressed. No, course, yeah. I am completely impressed because you, you've kind of uh, like like at, taking questions, uh, random questions here. You kind of put yourself out there as a, uh, I don't know, like a like a voodoo doll guinea pig combination <laughs> so, so i i appreciate it a lot i know i know uh sometimes uh it's uh you're, you're you're jumping through like multiple hoops here to answer one single question i appreciate that um anything so here's the thing right so we, we got some reach on this show is there any way we can help you any way we could uh, uh you know uh, we're not going to make phone calls to professors with recommendations or anything like that but is there any way we could help you with like a maybe a website link or any of the rest of that i'd love to help you out if possible no, um, you know, I mean, if, if anyone reaches out through you, um, you know how to reach me. Um, if anyone has a specifically interesting 
a case study or wants to uh, discuss it further or anything, I'm, I'm happy to, to get in contact. I, I just, uh, you know, with um, this type of stuff can be sensitive and I'll be applying for jobs soon and everything. So I'm trying to keep a bit of uh, uh, low cover, but uh, I'm happy to uh, for you to, to, to put me in touch with people or forward information. But certainly as well, if anyone has um, recommendations for, uh, you know, other research out there that's relevant or other uh, specific stories that sound relevant um, or, you know, uh, responses that, that might uh, prove me wrong. I'm open to it. So. Okay. I appreciate that. So, so again, uh, I can't thank you enough for being on the show tonight. Uh, open my eyes to a lot of things, which again, is the whole point. It's the whole point of this conversation and why we do this. Um, and do me a, bit, a really, really large favor. I'm going to tell you this. I, I always say this to, to folks that are fantastic and everybody we have on the show is fantastic. So just FYI, we don't, we don't, we don't get scrubs on this show. Uh, you're welcome back anytime and please continue thinking about UFOs, man. Like we need to, certainly, um, Hopefully, I'll, I'll have a bit more of a detailed analysis at, uh, at the end of the next three months of maybe some specific cases that I, I could come on to and discuss. Yeah, d- definitely. So, like I was saying, keep your eyes to the sky. Keep your, keep your mind in the, in the clouds or wherever, the, in the multiverse or wherever it happens to be, man, because it's, it's important. I think the rest of us need to hear it. Uh, you've kind of uh, brought a fresh perspective to the show. And, and once again, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Logan, there you go. And uh, hopefully, hopefully we'll get Logan back on the show in short order when he's uh, actually reading his full paper here. I'm not sure he's, he's bounced off. But okay, so if you guys have comments on this or you want to be part of the show, uh, you know what to do. Uh, you can uh, dial the phone number and uh, we can continue talking about this and everything else. Uh, 702-957-1037. And we had some, uh, some Betty and Barney Hill on deck and some uh, Travis Walton. I'll read some of that. And we can go into some of those and maybe try and apply uh, these concepts to that as a... Uh, 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 like uh, the the birth, the, uh, the the that whole bit, right? The the being uh, torn out of a of the womb uh, with a C section type situation, or or something else entirely, right? Like there's a there's a lot of a uh, really good stuff here. Um, and what did you guys think? What did you guys think? Uh, he, like I said, he was uh, kind of a uh, kind of kind of uh, opened my eyes to a lot of different things. I think we uh, we definitely good stuff. William Mitzup says. In his writing, his thesis, was there ever a point where he decides to drop his academic side and uh, look to these cases as they were? And so I think, I think uh, you can answer that just by him um, being interested in Dr. David Jacobs when we brought that up. As a, right, he was like, okay, wait, who is that? Let me look and let me write this down. So I think, I think, uh, I think he's probably still in that. I think he's probably still in that, uh, that phase of uh, discovery, just like we all are, right? I mean, you, you can't really, I'm not, not trying to speak for the guy, but I think just as uh, his... His uh, his actual uh, take on um, uh, what we were talking about in the the past here was a uh, was a uh, pretty good stuff, pretty good stuff in my opinion. All right, so so here we go. Uh, what else? If you guys want to be part of the show and talk about any of the rest of this, you know what to do. Seven zero two nine five seven one zero three seven. I'm going to bring up some uh, just a just to kind of round this out. We talked a little bit about Betty and Barney Hill, and then also a little bit about uh, Travis Walton. So I'm going to bring those stories up to kind of as a refresher and and talk about them in in a little bit. I got a couple articles up. But uh, uh, Bailey says, I don't know who Dr. Uh, who, D- who David Jacobs is. Okay, so Dr. David Jacobs is actually a, uh, I don't know if you're still out there, Ash, if you want to jump on and, and fill in the Dr. David Jacobs bit. But he's, uh, so, so he's actually a guy that does, uh, that's been studying for decades on the abduction phenomena uh, through hypnotic regressions. And his take is that uh, they're, um, they're, uh, he thinks it's a physical phenomenon. He thinks that this is a, the, the abduction thing is really happening. And he thinks that uh, based on the information he's seen through these regressions and some of these firsthand witness accounts, 
that uh, the it, it's real. Like this thing is real. And so he's again, he's a scientist. He uh, he works with a partner. I can't remember the name of the partner, but they they have a ton of information that they've gone through. And again, decades of research, hundreds of cases, and uh, he believes that uh, what they're looking at is just kind of the tip of the iceberg. Is that the hundreds of cases that they've seen is not even whatever it is. It's not even a, uh, uh, it's, it's a, uh, what would you say? Let's see. It's, it's a, let's say, uh, I think the way he put it was, okay, so if I'm in Philadelphia and in this particular region of the one part of the country, we have dozens or hundreds of cases that we're, we're actually uh, kind of combing through and talking about. It ends up being uh, what does it end up being? It ends up being a, uh, a, uh, a, a, like like a like a small sample size of what's really happening out there. So that's really what he's saying, and, and kind of a, kind of hit Dr. David Jacobs' take on the way this goes. Um, yeah, what's a William says he will come over to the dark side. I don't know. He seems like an open minded fellow, right? Isn't this the type of guy that you want in academia? That's not going to just kind of shut things out because they might not fit the the actual narrative. I think that's I think it's an important thing. And again, right? It, it says a lot that he'd reach out to a uh, to a UFO show. And uh, want to be on the show like that. So, so again, good stuff. Good stuff all the way around. If you guys have uh, questions, uh, again, that, that guy's name was Alvin Lawson. And uh, some, of the, some of the actual um, uh, individuals he cited, let me uh, drop these back in the chat uh, just real quick. So Hyper Reality was, uh, was one of the ones here. Uh, and uh, let's see. Um, let's see. What was the name? Uh, Baudrillard, Concept of Hyper Reality. Just going to drop these in the chat real quick so you guys can uh, catch up on some of this stuff if you want to find uh, where he was really talking about this stuff. Uh, Lacan, I think he said, here we go. Here's more of this. But yeah, so I, again, this this type of a, a thought is important, right? It's not, none of us, trust me, none of us have all the answers regarding this. And uh, which which is what pisses me off the most about these, uh, you know, self, self-described self UFO gatekeepers is that uh, they, they try and uh, tell you based on, you know, their own personal experience, what UFOs are, right? And how, the rest of us should react to their personal experience regarding, you know, what books they've read or who they've spoken with or the rest of this. It just makes me mad. And it should make you mad, too, that uh, we're literally talking about one of the most uh, hypothetical things here. And people are uh, are just, uh, you know, gatekeeping. MFN gatekeeping. All right. So there we go. Uh, Lincoln, some of the stuff he was talking about uh, in particular. So I tried to actually brief myself on some of the stuff. He gave me like a little blurb on what he was going to cover. But there's so much because there's he's he's talking about particular instances of these uh, guys and you know like particular books they've written and uh, yeah the rest of this stuff so it's uh, it was it was tough for me to uh, in a in a short span to try and catch up on what he was talking about here so <laughs> it is what it is all right so here we go linking all the stuff if you guys want to follow uh, back on kind of his uh, his track here uh, roughly from the links that I was able to derive. And uh, there's some good stuff here. Some of these philosophers that I hadn't heard of before, and uh, and somebody had. I know Axel in the chat said he's a uh, right down his uh, right down his uh, his alley there. So so anyway, so there's there's the uh, the the things that uh, we've talked about tonight, and some of the things that uh, that uh, our, our buddy there Logan has uh, has kind of uh, used as his thesis. Uh, again, important stuff, right? Uh, Derek says UFOs chase people here up north, right? and not only that. Notice he said that some of the things in Brazil, and we've talked about that instant. In, not like the UFO in Brazil that showed up and was actually shooting people with lasers. You remember that? We've talked about that case. Lacan, I think Lacan, right? I think that's how you say it. Anyway, 
So if you guys have any comments on this stuff, you want to elaborate on him, uh, you thought it was fascinating, you want to help me finish this show out, we got about 30 minutes or so, 702-957-1037. Click the Discord link, get your ass on here, and we'll talk about this stuff. Um, otherwise, I'm going to cover a Betty and Barney Hill in brief and uh, also the Travis Walton story just real fast. So if you want to... Uh, if you want to actually uh, kind of cut the ch- cut to the chase and maybe get on here and discuss some of the concepts that uh, that our buddy Logan uh, brought up, sure, I'd rather have you than uh, me talking to myself. So, I mean, I know you're out there listening, but uh, you know what I mean. I'd rather I'd rather listen to you than you listen to me. That's kind of my point. So anyway, 702-957-1037. Click the Discord link and you can get on the show. And uh, yeah, I mean, he seemed familiar, right? He, I was a little surprised he brought up the Brazil the Brazilian UFO situation where they actually talked about uh, uh, people being shot at by UFOs and dying up there, down there, sorry, down there, Southern Hemisphere. So uh, crazy stuff, crazy stuff. Uh, anyway, uh, let's see, let's see. So watching the phone lines or watching the Discord, if you guys want to jump on and talk about this stuff, um, what else? Otherwise, we're going to jump to Betty and Barney Hill. Just uh, kind of we talked about this, so let's, uh, let's just do a quick recap for the folks that uh, I know many of us are familiar with these stories because they're kind of like... Um, uh, UFO staples, you would say, like a UFO abduction staples. So uh, again, you know, if this is uh, if this is uh, boring to you, then uh, give me a call and take over the conversation. It's no problem at all. But we're going to just uh, fill this in because we did reference these and uh, talking about uh, 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 really his uh, his um, his uh, thesis here. So here we go. So if everybody remembers Betty and Barney Hill, this was this was the OG. This was the original UFO abduction situation that happened, right? So okay, let's just read some of this. Uh, this is from the history, history.com, history channel, right? Which of course has turned into the UFO channel. Basically, <laughs> if you, if you watch the history channel recently, it's turned into uh, the, the UFO channel. And, uh, what's the other one? Uh, uh mountain men in <laughs> the Ozarks or something. And that's basically what they've done. Right. Anyway. So here we go. Let's read some of this from the history channel. Is it chasing us? That thought coursed through Betty and Barney Hills minds as they drove down the empty winding country road in New Hampshire's white mountains. It was a September night in 1961. They hadn't seen a car for miles, and a strange light in the sky seemed to follow them. When they finally got home to Portsmouth at dawn, they were far from relieved. They felt dirty. Their watches stopped working. Barney's shoes were strangely scuffed, and Betty's dress was ripped. There were two hours of the drive that neither of them could, have, could remember. What had happened? With the help of a psychiatrist, the couple eventually revealed a startling story. Gray beings with large eyes had walked them into a metallic disc as wide, Betty said, as her house was long. Once inside, the beings examined the couple and erased their memories. Their experience would kick off an Air Force inquiry, part of the secretive initiative Project Blue Book that investigated UFO sightings across the country. The incident would also become the first ever widely publicized alien abduction account and shape how stories like it were told and understood from then on. Debate continues as to whether the husband and wife were liars, fantasists, crackpots, or simply sleep-deprived people who later recovered seriously scrambled memories. And I think, interestingly now, so kind of framing this this story maybe uh, maybe with uh, Logan's thesis there, that uh, we have some uh, some interesting things to, to kind of think about and talk about, right? Like, uh, again, as always, I think we need to be able to consider all the things, right? All the possibilities. And like I said, uh, I'm a little bit fascinated by the uh, the, the new inclusion of uh, 
this possibility uh, regarding UFO abductions. So anyway, uh, again, we're uh, we're just talking, uh, we're just kind of kicking it, going to finish the show out. UFO abductions, talking Betty and Barty Hill, and uh, talking about uh, UFO abductions. Are they a? I guess I guess just to boil it down to one knucklehead statement: Is this a? Is this a figment of our imagination? Is it burned into our brain through uh, through uh, anxiety? through uh, the crisis of birth, whether it be a, a regular traditional birth or whether it be a, a C-section like, uh, like we talked about uh, earlier on. Some crazy stuff here, right? Uh, lots of stuff to talk about. Uh, Jacques Lacan. There you go. Will work. Sorry. Uh, let's see. Uh, Bing, Bing Google is almost useless. Okay. Got the chat. Got the chat going. Okay. So, all right. So, anyway, let's just read a little bit more of this at Betty and Barney Hill. So, this is, again, the OG one, right? This is a, a back in 1961, and they were supposedly had missing time UFO abduction. They were able to, through the regression, uh, hypnotic regression, just like the picture here, as you can see, they were actually supposedly able to view entities inside of the UFO itself. You can see actual extraterrestrials inside of this UFO. Here we go. So the, the Hills Road Trip was spontaneous. A well-earned break Barney decided the couple needed, as explained in the Interrupted Journey, a 1966 book they collaborated with, uh, John G. Fuller. Now, Barney worked a grueling night shift at the post office, driving 60 miles each way. Betty's job handling state child welfare cases was no easier. The little free time this biracial couple had was devoted to their church and activities related to the civil rights movement. After 16 months of marriage, Betty and Barney saw this trip through Montreal and Niagara Falls as their delayed honeymoon. They left so impulsively that they had no time to go to the bank before it closed for the weekend. They got in their car with less than $70 in their pockets. And of course, on the last night of their three-day trip, the tired couple sipped coffee in a Vermont diner to recharge before driving back. Barney figured if they pushed through, they could beat the wind and rains from an approaching hurricane. They left the diner around 10 p.m., estimating they could reach their red-framed house in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, around 2 a.m., 3 a.m. at the latest. As they drove... A strange light in the sky gave another reason to hurry. At first, it looked like a falling star, but grew larger and brighter with each mile. Barney, an avid plane watcher and World War II vet, was sure they had nothing to worry about. It's just a satellite, he assured Betty. It probably went off course. The light seemed to move with the car as Barney steered down the curving mountain road. The light zigged and zagged, ducking past the moon and behind trees and mountain ridges, only to reappear moments later. Sometimes it seemed uh, to move toward them in a game of cat and mouse. It had to be an illusion, they thought. Maybe the car's movement made it seem like the light, too, was moving. Yeah, so again, uh, one, of the, one of the OG stories, right, from the 60s. This is Betty and Barney Hill, and uh, definitely good stuff. Is there a movie or a documentary about the hills? I'm pretty sure this is probably one of the most covered uh, abduction stories in all of ufology, so... I would I would expect I haven't seen one myself. I don't watch a lot of the UFO stuff because a lot of it just uh, it makes me mad. Because <laughs> well, you know, I'm a rager. I'm a rager. You guys know, I'm already a rager. But uh, but yes, yeah, so, I don't know. I would expect that uh, this is probably shows up in a lot of the uh, the, the ufology Uf- ufology documentaries and everything else. This is literally the probably the the one that that started it all. Right? Like if you had to. Uh, if you had to, to kind of trim it down to one single thing that was like the most famous uh, abduction incident ever, it's, it's definitely Betty and Barney Hill. So I'm pretty sure it's going to be out there. Uh, actually, I didn't see that new one, The uh, the Phenomenon by James Fox. Anybody see that? Was this, this one featured in that movie itself? 
I'm not exactly sure. Uh, some good comments here. Let's see. Uh, Bailey says, The figment of imagination story is a classic psyop. It's like the cop in South Park saying, Nothing to see here. Move along. Uh, while UFOs are abducting cows behind them. Uh, that joke is so funny because everyone knows it's true, but they still follow the narrative. Well, I don't know. I think, uh, I think you know, uh, he had a good point with some of the, some of the, we're kind of captain of our own reality, right? And so as a result of that, uh, is it possible that we fool ourselves? And I think, I think, I think part of this show, as we've always talked about, uh, I think we fool ourselves every day, right? I think, you know, like we're trying, we're probably a little more um, on the ball than most folks, this audience, because, you know, like the, the, the reality that is, is that uh, everything's fine, right? The, the government has everything under control. You go to the grocery store and there's plenty of food there and everything's fine, right? There's no problem here. Everything's good, right? At least in the West. Everything's good. But I think that, you know, that, that, that is definitely an illusion, as we know, as we talk about all the time. So I wonder, you know, I wonder, like, at, to what degree maybe we, we have a capacity to fool ourselves with some of this stuff. So, yeah, definitely. Um, let's see. Uh, Alan says, uh, can you imagine a UFO shuts down your car and all you got is a revolver? How about less than that? <laughs> what if you got, like, your hat? <laughs> you don't even have a revolver. Yeah, yeah. Right. There's, there's a lot of a lot of other stuff here. So anyway, Betty and Barney Hill, it's a it's it's a it is the story. It's basically the OG UFO story. So we're talking abductions tonight. And again, it's a, from an, uh, our guest there had an academic perspective on this, which I appreciate quite a lot. Um, but if you guys have uh, comments on this, you guys want to uh, you want to finish this out, help me out or not. That's OK. 702-957-1037. Just sipping beer here, talking aliens, talking abductions, talking about how maybe our reality is a. Uh, a little bit different than we expect it to be, or we we uh, a little bit different than uh, than yeah than basically uh, like 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 I said, this shows about the the shifting reality that we're trying to make sense of. So it's uh, it, it does it's kind of stick in my craw that uh, it maybe maybe we're fooling ourselves. Uh, Alex Axel says uh, sorry Axel says uh, Lacan is extremely influential in Europe, especially France. Um, and let's see, what else do we got chat wise? Uh, what else do we got? It sounds like uh, CNN any day of the week nowadays says Alan. Yeah, right. CNN. I tell you what, uh, can you, uh, let's see, hold on. Uh, he had a gun in the car though. Oh, did he have a gun? Okay. I see. I see. He talks about it in his regression. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that, but still imagine less than a gun, less than a revolver. I mean, as far as I'm aware, he didn't shoot at the aliens, did he? Cause you know, you could spark an interstellar war. I'm told. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I did. So actually, so, um, we will at some point. I did pull uh, some of those uh, regression tapes. They have them on YouTube with Betty and Barney Hill. So if you guys are interested in the case, check it out on YouTube. Um, if I knew we had some extra time like this, I would have pulled some of the regression tapes and we could listen to them. We'll do that at some point. I think when we talked about Betty and Barney Hill before, we, we kind of lumped it into a bunch of other things and so didn't get to fully explore it. But do check out on YouTube, just uh, Betty and Barney Hill, uh, type, type in the chat, uh, the, uh, the search uh, regression, Betty Barney Hill regression. And there's, there's some pretty terrifying stuff in there. I've listened to some of it. And, uh, again, it's old school. This is as old as it gets as far as UFO abductions go. So there we go. There we go. Actually, uh, uh, let's see. Yeah. No, it was in the car. Oh, the gun was in the car. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, uh, anyway, 702-957-1037. Join the discord. I think, uh, I think if we don't get calls, uh, we're just, we'll just finish this up. I think, uh, I think we, uh, we, we skipped a bunch of the shout outs and the whatever. So content is square. I have to pee, and uh, you know how it works. <laughs> you know how it works. If you guys want to call in and keep this show going, 702-957-1037. Join the Discord, and uh, otherwise, we'll, we'll wind this up in a sec here. Uh, definitely good stuff. Uh, definitely good uh, information from our, our friend Logan there. And like I said, right, d- does it offend you? 
like uh, knowing what you know, like your your perception of reality of the U- ufology and UFOs and aliens. Does it offend you to hear something like this? Does it offend you to uh, to hear an academic say that? Uh, you know, it's a it's a postulation of mine that uh, considering that the data that I've looked at, that maybe this is a maybe we're fooling ourselves. Does it offend you? He actually said to me that this might be controversial for your audience. <laughs> and and maybe, maybe, maybe. <laughs> OK, so, uh, yeah. Hey, Alan, if you missed the first hour, you missed a, you missed a chunk of fantastic stuff here. So uh, do check out the archive again. I can't. Uh, the guy's way too smart for me, so I can't kind of go back and uh, really recap. But, uh, yeah, so we're talking about reality and our, our version of reality and how that applies to UFOs. And are we fooling ourselves in some capacity? And uh, he had some pretty good reasons why that might be the case. So let's see. Um, let's see. Uh, da, da. All right. Uh, again, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a quick, like I said, I got to pee. So let me pee. We're going to do this. I'm going to play just a quick 30 seconds of music and because uh, I always have to, right? Like my... my Two halfway break is not not good enough because I don't have to pee then, but now I do. All right, so just a quick little bit of music here, and we'll continue talking about Betty and Barney Hill and seven zero two nine five seven one zero three seven. Jump in the Discord, and we'll continue talking UFO abductions. Be right back. All right. Let's keep going. Let's talk about Betty and Barney Hill, and then we'll get to Travis Walton, and we'll keep talking abductions. All right. So if you guys want to be part of the show, you know what to do. 702-957-1037. Click the Discord link, troubleminds.org. Mike in the fast talk. Ash, what's up, says, meeting aliens would be the fastest and most efficient way to move forward technologically. I feel it should always be the utmost priority over survival. Whoa. (laughs) Whoa, man. Whoa. That's a burning hot take right there. Uh, did you catch? Did you catch what he was saying there, Ash? Uh, a lot of that stuff. Did it? Uh, did it make you? Make you? Make your face twitch? All right, here we go. So, uh, so Betty and Barney Hill. So, long story short, they they get abducted, right? So they end up uh, with a couple hours missing time, and uh, they think that they've been uh, actually had had things happen to them, right? Uh, they they knew. Uh, oh, yep. Yeah, there we go. Ad blocker. Okay. So uh, let's see. Barney had an IQ of 140, noted in the Fuller book. He was also a pragmatic man who wouldn't give flying saucers a second thought. Uh, remembered his niece, Kath- Kathleen Martin, in her work captured the Betty and Barney Hill experience. The night was too quiet for a helicopter and commercial plane or even military jet with a hotshot pilot. He didn't want to spook Betty, but he was becoming concerned. Which, uh, which was this light and why was it toying with him? What was it, right? So about 70 miles past the diner, the object hovered just above the treetops, approximately 100 feet above them. Barney abruptly stopped the car, keeping the engine running. He shoved a handgun. There it is. He'd hidden beneath the seat into his pocket and rushed into a dark field, leaving Betty in the car. He, what he saw was as big as a jet, but as round and flat as a pancake. My God, what is this thing? He recalled thinking, this can't be real. Behind rows of windows, gray uniformed beings seemed to look right at him, Barney recalled. He tried to lift his hands to his pistol, but somehow couldn't. A voice told him not to put down his binoculars. He had a startling thought. We're about to be captured. Yelling hysterically, he ran back to the car and barreled down the road as Betty tracked the craft. 
craning her head outside the car window. Without explanation, loud, rhythmic beeps sounded from the car's trunk. The couple felt instantly drowsy and lost consciousness. They came to hours later and 35 miles down the road. There you go. This is straight from uh, history.com. Uh, well written, this this uh, this little piece here. And uh, crazy stuff. Yeah, that's the other one, too. We'll get to that in just a sec. Uh, Travis Walton, Fire in the Sky. And uh, there's, there's some good stuff here, right? regarding alien abductions and uh, the rest of this and how it rolls. So uh, it is a, it is, it's a thing, right? Like this is a, uh, again, go back to Dr. David Jacobs. This is a thing. And uh, even our academic friend there admits this is a thing, but uh, how about uh, uh, how, how this kind of rolls out for the rest of us? What does this mean for your, your worldview and uh, what you thought you knew about ufology? I think that's probably the best, the best way to, to, to talk this. Um, what's up, Alan says? That's why I watch you, Mike. I never knew about the beeps. Hey, just reading from the History Channel, man. Like, there's there's nothing I really know that you guys don't. To be honest, I just try and go through some of the information that, uh, um, hey, we ended up, um, uh, you know, we 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 fumble over some things that some sometimes people miss, and it's an act. It's accidental, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. Derek says Logan and Strange on tonight, a Marvel production. Right. There you go. I didn't even think about it, but you were totally right. Uh, let's see. Okay. So let's, uh, so that, there's Betty and Barney Hill. So there's some other weird stuff that happens with that. All right. So they've got missing time. Uh, there's the abduction thing. They go through some, uh, some hypnosis, some hypnotic, re- hypnotic recession, like we said. Uh, and then they end up, um, what do they end up doing? They end up, uh, basically saying and thinking that uh, they've been abducted, that uh, they've, they've actually been in contact with extraterrestrials and, uh, they end up knowing some, uh, some some information about uh, about the things they shouldn't right like they this this is like anybody seen K-Pax? yeah with the star map exactly exactly like Alan says a star map so they actually knew they were able to point to a particular area on a star map where the extraterrestrials said they came from and at the time just like K-Pax, right if you guys seen that movie with Kevin Spacey who's you know been canceled because he's a sexual predator <laughs> but uh, you know I laugh because it's not funny because well that's that's when you laugh right if you if you always laughed when it's funny then you know when you don't laugh it's dour <laughs> but I'm telling you when I laugh it's it's not funny it is not funny okay so anyway yeah so there's a particular star map Betty and Barney Hill were actually able to to draw uh, and I can't remember if it's Zeta Reticuli or one of the other ones but uh, before our astronomy, astronomy actually had had verified this was a possible thing a binary star system or something like this right so I know the details are for a little bit foggy so now, definitely crazy stuff. Definitely crazy stuff again. Uh, so read this if you guys have not. This is, uh, again, from History Channel, Betty and Barney Hill. Do check it out. Uh, good information here. And uh, we will at some point go back and do this and uh, go through it in depth and listen to some of the tapes from Betty and Barney Hill and their regressions because it's fantastic. All right. So let's go to real quick as, as a brief end to this. Uh, let's go to Travis Walton. And this is uh, everybody knows this movie, Fire in the Sky. And uh, this is uh, this is from a UFO Insider, good friend Marcus Louth, who's been on the show. He he wrote this as a as a brief to the Travis Walton abduction, which uh, the movie was firing this guy. Um, but uh, here, I'll actually link this the other side too. All right. So okay, hold on. I'm gonna I'm gonna let Microsoft Mike read this so I can uh, so I can uh, sip a little bit of beer and enjoy it with you guys. Here we go. So this is the beginning from UFO Insight regarding the Betty and Barney Hill. This is the uh, Edge browser if you want to know how to make your uh, make your computer read you. Here we go. Apparent alien abduction of, then, 22-year-old Travis Walton in the winter of 1975 is perhaps one of the most well-known of such encounters. Not least due to Walton's story resulting in a book, and then the movie Fire in the Sky. 
It is also, perhaps ironically, this monetary compensation enjoyed by Walton that has led some to cast doubt on the incident, with several investigators claiming the account is nothing but a hoax. In September 2017, Walton would defend himself against such claims. Although, as we will look at... Okay, we're not going to do that. That's a nice intro. Let's see. Let's go down to the actual... Here we go. This is what we want here. This is what we want right here. On the evening, evening of the 5th of November, 1975, a little after 6 p.m., following another hard, grinding day sawing trees in the Apache Site Greaves region of the U.S. National Forest, seven hired woodcutters were making their way home to the town of Snowflake, Arizona. In the head of the group, Michael Rogers' pickup truck. As they chatted among themselves, the men, the aforementioned Rogers and Walton, along with Ken Peterson, John Goulet, Steve Pierce, Alan Dallas, and Dwayne Smith, suddenly noticed a strange glow coming from the woodland that hugged the side of the road. Thinking it was perhaps a forest fire, all of the men were suddenly more attentive than they might have been, lest they became trapped in such a situation. According to MUFON's report of the incident, we've talked quite a lot about MUFON, but as they approached the hill in the road where the light was coming from, they suddenly saw a large silver disc hovering over a clearing in the roads. It glowed brightly, lighting up the patch of ground underneath it. Slightly in shock at what he was seeing, Rogers would bring the truck to a stop. As soon as he did so, and without warning, Walton would leap out of the passenger side door and walk directly towards the strange glowing craft. Not hearing or listening, you're uh, no, not listening to the rest of the woodcutting crew who were pleading and demanding he return to the truck, Walton continued on until he was standing directly underneath the mystery object. Then, strange, mechanical, turbine-like noises began to fill the air. At the same time, the craft began to wobble, still in its hovering position. Walton, perhaps now sensing something was about to happen, stepped back slightly and slowly began to back away. Then came the beam of blue-green light. So according to the reports of UFO researcher Jerome Clark, the witnesses from the, that vantage point inside the truck witnessed a blue-green beam strike Walton square in the chest. This caused him to rise a foot in the air, his arms and legs outstretched, and sh uh, shoot back stiffly some ten feet. During this, Walton remained within the glow of the craft's light. Suddenly, he was seemingly flung to the ground like he'd touched a live wire, striking his shoulder upon landing, his body sprawled limply, apparently dead. This is certainly what the rest of the group initially thought as they sped away from the scene as quickly as they could. There you go. You don't want to. Uh, you don't want the buddy. The uh, <laughs> the buddies like that that leave you to the aliens, right? So they took off, and uh, so we're going to long story short this because we're we're kind of nearing the end. But if you guys want to be part of the show, I want to hear from you. What are your thoughts on tonight and uh, the uh, uh, what Logan had to say and regarding the rest of this? Seven zero two nine five seven one zero three seven. Click the Discord link. Troubleminds.org. Get on here. I want to hear from you. Now, let's see. Uh, seeing, uh, let's see. The book Communion. Yep. Freaks me out right now. Axel says, as I said in the chat, uh, that was really at my alley. Sadly, I was at a function, so I could only really listen to the first hour. Looking forward to listening to the rest. Yeah, there's some good stuff there. There's some good stuff. Uh, we, Logan is fantastic, like I said. Yeah, we need uh, we need people like him, you know, uh, academics that are unafraid to, to kind of uh, 
to, to kind of cross these lines and talk about these sorts of things. So I, I feel fortunate we had him on. And again, right, this is this is kind of the beauty of this show, right? You get coast to coast and these guys and they're they're literally all these damn these these uh, I want to say dumb. They're not dumb. All these shows, though, like the, the mainstream. It's crazy, right? There's mainstream everything. So the mainstream UFO shows, what do they do? They just kick around the same dozen people, right? The same 20 or 30 or 40 people, a couple few dozen people, right? And they just kick them around as guests. And it's the same thing. And here we go, right, with gatekeeping, UFO gatekeeping. I don't know. I think it's I think it's bigger than that. I think this includes every one of us, and uh, I think every one of our thoughts are important. So there you go. Uh, we get guests like that because, well... <laughs> That's that's what the show does. That's how we do it. So anyway, uh, if you guys have a, a hot takes on this or you, you want to say hi and show feedback, you know what to do. Give me a call, 702-957-1037. I'll brief Travis Walton to finish this out. If you want to join the Discord, troubleminds.org, click the Discord link, and then uh, we'll uh, we'll do our thing. We'll do our thing. We'll finish this up. Uh, let's see. Uh, make sure I'm not missing anybody. Like I missed those phone calls. All right, we're good. No calls. Uh, thank you again for the calls earlier tonight. Uh, it did uh, it did help quite a lot. I expected uh, a little bit of help here, and you guys came through for sure. Okay, but let's go. Let's go with uh, let's go with the rest of this. The Travis Walden bit, right? So his his buddies drive off in the truck. All right, gonna brief this, and uh, they take off. And so of course they drive uh, a few miles down the road, and they're freaking out. They're literally freaking out because who wouldn't be? And then they decide that you know, wait, shit, that's our friend back there. We left him, right? And they, the, somebody's like, hey, no, we have to go back. So they turn around and they go back. All right. Like, like you know, eventually once you, once you catch your wits uh, from being uh, terrified like that, you turn around, you go back. Right. And they, they thought Travis was dead. They went back to at least if he was dead to bring his body home type of thing. Right. They went back to find out what happened to Travis. And what did they do? They drove back to the spot. There was nothing there. There was no UFO. There was no light in the sky. And there was no Travis. Right. And that's when this really becomes terrifying. So uh, if you guys have seen the, the fire in the sky, exactly. Derek says Walton was taken and uh, he was gone for five days. Exactly right. And so this is where the terrifying stuff starts to happen. Right. So now there there's like, a, you know, the, the missing persons investigation and, uh, you know, they're looking at these guys for murder and some other stuff. What, hap- what really happened to Travis? And they're, they're all telling the same story of, hey, uh, this this light in the sky took him right. Like we went back and he wasn't there, right? And they're like, yeah, yeah, sure, right? Like like you would expect cops to be, but uh, it, yeah. So this is again when the terrifying stuff happens. He ends up. Uh, if you've seen, actually, hold on, hold on. Do I have this? There's a there's a really cool part. Fuck, where is this? Okay, hold on, hold on. Give me just a second here because there's actually a thing where they they reenacted what happened to Travis Walton on this little uh, film, and it's fantastic. It's like five, seven, eight minutes. It's it's short, but it's exactly as as he describes it, and it's definitely worth watching. So hold on, let me see if I can find this. Where did I put this link? Where did I put this link? Damn it! Uh, see, if I was uh, if I was if I was super pro, I'd have had this and been prepared. But I'm just a uh, you know, <laughs> I'm just me. <laughs> All right, here we go. Let's go. Let's find this. Let's find this. So anyway, okay. So he describes a like a huge. Um, uh, uh, okay, so so he he's taken right. He's taken, and so what happens to him during this, uh, which we will not describe. But there's a there's a huge investigation going on, right? With um, with with everything else. With the uh, 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 they're, they're they're again they're, they they don't believe his his uh his folks right his his uh his woodcutting crew because of course it seems like you know like oh classic murder investigation right we got a missing dude they're all making up this bullshit story all the rest of this stuff let's see where is this do i have this 
have so many damn bookmarks in so many places. Let's see. Hold on. Hold on. It's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, damn it. Okay. Anyway, I'm going to find this and I'll link it. I'll link it to the, to the show addendum here and and the links that we talked about tonight, because it it is, it is critical. If you haven't seen this, it's probably the best uh, representation of what happened to Travis Walton that I've ever seen. And, uh, let's see, let's see if I can game the search engine here. Um, let's see. Uh, let's see. Hold on. Nope, 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 nope. Okay. Uh, whatever. Uh, okay. Whatever. Anyway, anyway, you guys get the point. You guys get the point. It's really good. When I find it, we'll watch it regarding Travis Walton. And basically, so this is what happened to him when he was on the craft. All right. So he wakes up and they're, they're next to him are what appear to be two, uh, or three, I believe it is, uh, doctors. Okay. Uh, and, uh, he, he thinks they're humans. And so he's like kind of strapped down to this bed and, uh, he's like, you know, clearly confused, like what happened? Where am I? And, uh, then he, the, the doctors or whatever they are, he, he thinks they're human. They step away from him as he comes to, cause he's supposed to be unconscious. And then they come back into his view as, as they kind of stepped out into as his, his view is hazy. Cause he's just coming to when they step back, he sees that they're not human at all. When he sees that they're gray aliens and he starts to freak out. And he like jumps up out of this seat, right? Like he's like he's on this kind of strapped to this bed. He like forces his way out, and these uh, these aliens start to get agitated. They back up. They kind of move in and out and staring at him. And then as he kind of backs up and smashes into the wall behind him, um, they they turn and they walk out the door. Okay, so they leave him there, and he's like, "What the hell is going on right now?" So he he you know he's he's like he's he's at his wits end. He's freaking out. And the aliens walk out the door to the left, and then they turn down the hallway to the right. All right? He sees them do this. And so he steps out into the hallway, and he knows they went right, so he turns left. So he goes left down the hallway, ends up in another room, and there's a chair. And he's looking at the chair as he comes in, and it's like a tall back chair. And he's wondering if there's somebody sitting in it. And he walks closer. And he tries to lean around and get a look to see if there's anybody in the chair. And finally he gets around the corner and there's not anybody there. And so he's confused. He's like, what the hell is going on? He's a, obviously in like a technological terror, which you might call a UFO, uh, not earthly. And so he ends up, uh, he ends up uh, going back out down the hallway, not toward the aliens away from them again. And he eventually tur- runs into what appears to be a human being standing there. And so he's so relieved to see a person. He's like, okay, wait, wait a minute. Thank you. Please save me. Help me. And this person is like in a spacesuit, And it looks at him and doesn't say a word. It's almost like this entity cannot speak. But then it grabs his arm and motions him to follow. And so he follows this, this, uh, this individual, which appears to be human. As far as he's aware in his memories, it is human. And it leads him down to this this deck, like this flight deck where he sees clearly around him that there's like these huge, he's in a huge UFO of some sort. And there's a kind of like a hangar deck and there's smaller UFOs parked in this thing. And, uh, he goes down there. He's talking to this, this human, save me, help me all the stuff you would expect, right? When you're freaking out and the, the human, uh, doesn't ever really help him. And, uh, I can't remember the rest. (laughs) 
<laughs> so anyway, here we go. If you guys, uh, if you guys want to help me finish this out, but that's that's how it went. If I can find this, I'll play it. If you want to give me a second, I'll uh, play some music and go find it because it, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Uh, UFO Jesus tweeted it uh, maybe ten days ago, two weeks ago. It's on his timeline, so I can go dig out and find it. But it's amazing, right? So somebody recreated this exact experience that Travis Walton had, as he explained in his uh, hypnotic regression on the. Uh, the abduction. And so it turns out, so eventually he, he blacks out again and then he wakes up five days later and he's naked, right? Just like Joe said when he called in. And so he's, uh, he, he crawls his way to a payphone, makes a phone call. And uh, yeah, this is crazy. This is crazy stuff. Derek says the aliens are so scary in that movie. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I agree. Let's see. Um, let's see. Uh, Alan says, I think it's becoming harder to separate UFOs, politics, and religion as separate things. They're slowly blending. And I think, I think maybe you're making the point that, uh, our boy, uh, our boy was making right. Logan, uh, Alan continues. It's hard to even talk about one without uh, talking about at least one of the others more and more. I don't know. I think that's part of why we, um, part of the uh, the situation and why why that kind of ends up what it is, right? We end up uh, we end up uh, trying to blend our realities and uh, the, the political narrative, right? If you think about it, like the political narrative is a phony reality. It's it's like what they want you to believe, right? Like uh, everything has to be framed in terms of the, you know the yes or no politic instead of like the actual reality that we perceive as you know non political, non politically powerful people. So, yeah, I mean, I think maybe there's a blending of that. Uh, I think it all uh, kind of fits. What's up, Matthew? I see you there in in, in uh, chat, and uh, we're done. This is finished. Again, I'm yammering on here. We will at some point remind me. We'll pull up that Travis Walton video. It's freaking terrifying right like this is what he remembers so they recreated this video they had him on a particular uh show and they showed him this video and he said yeah that's kind of pretty much exactly like i remember it so they took it and based on his testimony and uh, they recreated this and uh, that as i described pretty crazy stuff coke or pepsi what's up buddy exactly coke or pepsi that's the reality we live in it's terrible but okay so as we finish this is done uh i, I hate to uh, yammer on uh, kind of aimlessly here at the end but uh, it is what it is if you guys uh you want more of this or you want less of this or you just want me to shut the fuck up just tell me <laughs> i'll do that too it's okay i understand uh i get sick of me too sometimes but okay here's the thing uh we have a new show it's called uh we we've decoupled the news from this show and it's uh called conspiracy news with michael strange please check it out we stream on twitch five days a week that's right five days a week live shows on twitch very similar to this they're just short or short form maybe uh, 12 to 15 news stories. We kind of go over these things and talk about their implications and why the mainstream media dodges them. And uh, that's what the show's about. It's kind of like the old news segments we did on this show. But it's uh, five days a week there. If you want to follow us on Twitch, please do. You can find uh, the podcast. It gets ripped to right there on uh, troubledminds.org, the official website. All that stuff. Tons of content coming at you guys. Like I said, uh, sometimes... Sometimes you're on, sometimes you're not. <laughs> and I feel like I feel like the last half here, I could have been a little bit more, more prepared, but we're okay. Uh, so yeah, do check out Twitch. Uh, you can find the Twitch link at troubleminds.org. It's right on the top. Uh, the the actual uh, podcast is about halfway down the page. You can find it there. So it gets, uh, we stream it live on Twitch. It gets ripped to audio form, ripped audio form, and then also uh, uploaded to YouTube 24 hours later because Twitch has like an exclusivity of 24 hours when you monetize over there. And also, if you want to help us out, if you want to uh, send some a couple bucks our way, and even even without even spending any of your own money that you that you haven't already spent, if you link your Amazon Prime account to your Twitch account, they give you a uh, subscription monthly that you could uh, sub up to a uh, particular streamer. And I hope I'm your favorite streamer. Then all you do is go to Twitch, uh, link the two accounts, and then you can sub up for free. And it sends me a couple bucks. And it doesn't cost you a damn thing extra. So pretty good stuff there. So all that's what's up. 
letting you guys know if you haven't been part of the show uh come say hi over there we do stream five days a week now so you haven't lost anything we're still doing tuesday and friday with this show and we're doing conspiracy news over there so good stuff good stuff um okay so um with that said i've got beer to drink i have two beers left i got through four so i got two more to go so I'm going to finish this up right now, and we're going to play some outro music. And thanks for hanging out. Thanks for the good questions tonight. Thanks for sticking with us, and uh, thanks for having an open mind, right? I know many of you were uh, kind of booing and hissing there with some of the uh, information that came from the academic, but I think if we don't open our minds to these uh, types of uh, 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 realities, then I think we're depriving ourselves. So definitely good shit. Uh, thanks for hanging out, and let's play some outro music. Uh, what are we going to play? How about, let's see. Let's go for this one right here. All right, we're done. Trouble Minds Radio. I'm Michael Strange. What's up? <laughs> All right. And as we finish, remember, we'll be back Tuesday, Friday, 8 p.m. Pacific. We do our thing. We talk about all the things, aliens, conspiracy, paranormal, and nobody's going to stop us. Nobody's going to tell us to shut up because guess what? We fund this ourselves and we say what we want. And I hope there's still room for that in this world. Because <laughs> as long as there is, <laughs> we're going to keep doing it. We're going to keep doing it. But okay, so uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we will be live tomorrow, 4 p.m. Pacific on Twitch. Conspiracy News with Michael Strange. If you ever wonder what I look like, go look. <laughs> you may be surprised. You may not be. Yeah. They always say I had a radio face. You can go judge for yourself. <laughs> I think when I was born, that was the first the first words my mom wanted to name me Radio Face. <laughs> All right. So anyway, uh, at the end, remember, it doesn't matter what I think. It matters what you think. So uh, keep hanging out. Keep doing your thing. I appreciate all of you because it makes this a ton easier to do. Like I said, me mumbling to myself in the corner is one thing. Me talking to you guys and having you contribute in real time is another amazing thing entirely. So I, I do appreciate it a lot. Thank you so much. And at the end, at the end, one more time, you're listening to Trouble Lines Radio. And I'm your host, Michael Strange. Happy New Year. Hang in there. 2020 is almost over. We got this, guys. We got this. And from our troubled minds to yours, thank you for listening and have a great night. And happy new year. Happy new year. We'll be back on the first. The next troubled mind show will be next year. It'll be 2021. We're almost there, guys. Hang tight. It's finally time to start firing up the grill. From city to shore, Acme is everything you need to prep for this summer season. Download the Acme app, the shop for this season's essentials, any way you want. Open the Acme app, clip your deals, then order your items online. An experienced Acme associate will carefully select your groceries, bag your order, and bring it right to your car or deliver right to your door. Download the app or visit acmemarkets.com for program details.